Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello, welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast. I'm David Reed. This is Danielle Ward. Hello. And this is Marek Larwood. Hello there. And welcome to our wonderful world of films. Um, we have been to the cinema this week. I have. Yeah. What did you go and see, Danielle well, Ward? My choice of film was dictated by the fact that I really hate paying to go into the cinema because it's really expensive, but I do really like Yog. So <laughs> the only cinema I know of a Yog near me is the Camden Odeon. Yeah. Uh, what is on there? And the new list was The Purge. Before we start, can I ask how much do you think an acceptable price for a film should be? I, seven pounds. Yeah, seven quid. And what about this whole sort of class system in cinemas of nice seats uh, for more money and then the sort of cheaper seats? I'm not against that if they are genuinely nicer seats. And what time did you go? I went on a Monday evening. £11.50. every time I go to Camden Odeon, the price has gone up. Buddies go mental. That's a, On a Monday evening, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Shouldn't be above a tenner. No. Maybe we're just getting old. Yeah. I still think of things in my pocket money, what I've got, you know, and I've got like, oh, I'm getting £2. You should get about 10p incrementally every year. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, oh, I'm getting £2.60 this week. Do you remember when the, the cinema cost a halfpenny piece? That was it. I remember Going to see you, Jurassic Park for a halfpenny. Remember when you could buy a Caramac for less than 20p? Oh, God. That was my favourite... I remember, um, I remember fizzy drinks machines when they were forty p. That was a rip off machine, and you wouldn't you wouldn't give that one any money. I remember when my dad used to love me. Oh, <laughs> for how much? How much did it cost? Six sixty p. Let's about the purge. Go on then. It is from the makers of Insidious. And <laughs> Hang on. Sinister. You hated Sinister. I didn't see. Yeah, I hated Sinister. I hated it. I thought it was stupid, and it was quite quite loud. But oh, that was the film that was loud. Let me I remind remember. you, my choice was based on location of the cinema and whether there was a yog in it. But who was <laughs> who was cast in Sinister compared to the Ethan Purge? Ethan Hawke. Right, and he's in both of them. Yeah, he is. Right, let me tell you. <laughs> so the Purge is not about a spooky monster that does a crick crack noise with its back. <laughs> <laughs> sounds rubbish. That sounds great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the crick crack beast. I can imagine that. The Crick Crack Beast would be a brilliant film. <laughs> and you can hear the Crick... And you'd be like a... I can imagine the book that goes with it and you'd hear the Crick Crack outside. Or you'd, hear a, you'd hear a Crick and you'd go, 
oh, it's okay, it was just a crick. Yeah. And then it would go crack, and you go, oh no, it's yeah. here. And you hear the crick first of all, like far away, but the crack's really, really close. It's yeah. behind you. Oh, God! <laughs> Anyway, we're all... Yeah, it's not about the Crick Crack beast. It's not about a Crick Crack ghost. Okay. It is about... Um, it's loosely along the lines of... Uh... Hello, welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast. I'm David Reed. this is Danielle Ward. Hello. And this is Marek Larwood. Hello there. And welcome to our wonderful world of films. Um, we have been to the cinema this week. Yes, I have. Yeah, what did you go and see, Daniel well, Ward? My choice of film was dictated by the fact that I really hate paying to go into cinema because it's really expensive, but I do really like Yog. So <laughs> the only cinema I know of a Yog near me is the Camden Odeon. Yeah. Uh, what is on there? And the new list was The Purge. Before we start, can I ask how much do you think an acceptable price for a film should be? Seven pounds. Yeah, seven quid. And what about this whole sort of class system in cinemas of nice seats uh, for more money and then the sort of cheaper seats? I'm not against that if they are genuinely nicer seats. And what time did you go? I went on a Monday evening. £11.50. I swear, every time I go to Camden Odeon, the price has gone up. Buddy's going mental. That's a, On a Monday evening, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Shouldn't be above a tenner. No. Maybe we're just getting old. Yeah. I still think of things in my pocket money, what I've got, you know, and I've got like, oh, I'm getting £2. You should get about 10p incrementally every year. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, oh, I'm getting £2.60 this week. Do you remember when the, the cinema cost a halfpenny piece? That was it. I remember Going to when see you, Jurassic Park for a halfpenny. Remember when you could buy a Caramac for less than 20p? Oh, God. That was my favourite. I remember um, I remember fizzy drinks machines. When they were 40p, that was a rip-off machine and you wouldn't, you wouldn't give that one any money. I remember when my dad used to love me. Oh. <laughs> for how much? How much did it cost? Six, 60p. Let's <laughs> talk about The Purge. Go on, then. It is from the makers of Insidious... Um, <laughs> Hang on. Sinister. You hated it. Sinister. I didn't see it. Yeah, I hated Sinister. I hated it. I thought it was stupid and it was quite, quite loud. But... Oh, that was the film that was loud. Let me I remind remember. you, my choice was based on location of the cinema and whether there was a yog in it. But who was, who was cast in Sinister compared to The Purge? Ethan Hawke. Right, and he's in both of them. Yeah, he is. Right, let me tell you. So... The Purge is not about a spooky monster that does a crick-crack noise with its back. <laughs> sounds rubbish. That sounds great to <laughs> yeah. me. The crick-crack beast. I can imagine that. The crick-crack beast would be a brilliant film. <laughs> and you can hear the crick... And you'd be like a... I can imagine the book that goes with it and you'd hear the crick-crack outside. Oh, you'd, hear a, you'd hear a crick and you'd go, oh, it's okay, it was just a crick. Yeah. And then it would go crack and you'd go, oh, no, it's yeah. here. <laughs> You hear the crick first of all, like far away, but the crack's really, really close. It's yeah. behind you. Oh, God! <laughs> anyway, we're all... Yeah, it's not about the crick crack beast. It's not about a crick crack ghost. Okay. It is about... Um, it's loosely along the lines of uh, the French film Il. Have you seen that? Il? Yeah. As in... <laughs> as in Poorly. Yeah. <laughs> as in them. Okay. Or the remake The Outsiders. Um, the story is... Set in ten years in the future, America 
um, is a crime-free place because once a year for 12 hours the nation is allowed to purge itself of all its hatred and violence and that's what it's called the purge so from 7pm to 7am on the 21st of March you can do, commit any crime and it's legal so it's about getting everything out of your system and everybody accepts this and it's a, a good thing for the nation even though it's really scary and because of this Ethan Hawke is now a man who sells home protection he sells like kind of Johnny's <laughs> yeah massive Johnny's Eve over the house um, house Johnny's he sells security systems and all of the neighbours are a little bit oh you've, you've made your house really big off of the money that we gave you from protecting our houses and you're rubbing it in our faces he sounds like a fat cat to me well he's a bit of a fat cat but he's a good moral guy he's got two kids they're nice um, some plot goes on and basically he on the night of the purge there's a black guy wandering the street and it turns out the purge rather than being about anybody doing what they want it's about really rich posh people killing very poor people Ah, so uh, so it's not really what would happen no so they let this, they let this <laughs> it's people who can't afford to protect themselves are the targets so this, they let this black guy into their house and some young kids come up and go we wanted to purge um, we want to kill this black guy that you've got in your house if you don't let him out, what we'll do is we will tear down your security system. And at this point, you find out that the security system that Ethan Hawke has, where like all these um, grids come down over the windows, mm. can't withstand some children. And he says to his wife, "Oh, well, yeah, no, it's quite good, but it's not good enough to protect us from these kids and their truck." It sounds like his whole business is based on a shoddy product. Well, it's this is where the film falls apart. It's a really nice idea, and it, like I said, it's like those sort of couple in their house being terrorised by kids it's been that's been done before but it's got a no, it's got a more satirical edge but there's so many flaws in it there's something quite sci-fi in the um, state sanctioned crime day isn't there is yeah. it a sci-fi it sounds like a, it sounds like a, the idea it sounds brilliant it's, it's quite Terry premise. Pratchett have you read any of the Discworld books yeah it's just because they it just reminds me of the I've not read I've read a few of them but it reminds me of the uh, Thieves Guild which is the idea that the guild controls all crime yeah. and co- so that they can Keep cap the crime rate at a very low level, but because they accept it will happen. Feels like Running Man, a bit like Running Man. Yeah, it's a great idea. It's nowhere near as interestingly shot as Running Man. It's shot like a bog standard horror film. Um, but the problem is that it doesn't know what it wants to be. It doesn't know whether it's making a satirical point on violence, whether it is just a kind of lock these people in a house and let these kids come in and terrorise them. Like I say, this, it's meant to be a state-of-the-art security system and with one truck they pull down the front gate and then all the like all the grids on the windows aren't there anymore so someone just smashes their way in through a window. Right. It's, I'm, I've noticed a trend that they seem to think it's a zeitgeisty thing for all sci-fis, for all analogous um, fantasy stories to sort of evoke the class struggle now. This seems to be sort of America has latched onto it, you know, in in the sort of counterculture sort of revolution uh, kind of. I mean, in time was exactly the same. It it sort of latched onto this um, the poor rising up against the rich thing, but it it sort of was tacked on. It didn't really have anything to say about it. It just seemed to be a new idea to them. I don't know. It's. I, 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 don't, like, I don't mind that as a thing. There's a great idea in there somewhere, and it's so poorly executed, it actually leaves you... I mean, not a bad film. Compared to what I thought it was going to be, I thought it was going to be absolutely awful. I'd only gone for the yog, mm. and the yog was a happy bonus. Uh, it was, it's, it's OK. I must say that um, 
I was very excited that uh, Lena Headey is in it because I went on Monday night and missed Game of Thrones. And it's the, it's, it's Cersei Lannister from Game of Thrones. Did you see Dread? Really? Yeah. Because yeah. she's the baddie in Dread as well. She's, she's doing really well. Yeah, she she's is. She's doing really well. Did you watch Game of Thrones on Monday night? Yes. Boy, oh boy. Yeah, watch Game of Thrones. Um, um, so that's because uh, I, I when I found out the plot to this film was one of the few I thought this, this could be brilliant. Yeah. I, not often I want you want to go and see a film just because of its premise, but I'm I, I'm well, sad it wasn't that. Great. I think it was so poorly done that you could just take the premise and just make another film. When you've got a premise oh, film like that where you've just set up a thing that is true, you've got to then just leave that as your central idea and then explore all of the possibilities of what that would mean in a reality. You know, like um, uh, Logan's Run, where, you know, if people are killed when they reach this age, what would happen if somebody doesn't want that to happen? And, you know, what... Where are the hypocrisies in society? That, and where that, would it? Be, where would corruption come in? And you know, it's, it doesn't they, sound from what you're saying like they've done that. No, what they've done is they've gone. We really want to make a pe- family terrorised by a group of outsiders. No. Let's stick on a premise at the beginning to make it a bit different from the ones that already exist. And then, as I say, the neighbours who are a bit jealous of their of their fancy stuff, maybe the neighbours get involved a little bit as well. And oh, that feels tacked on as well, but you know that's going to happen. You know that like it's really flagpost that the neighbours, but how they get involved, I'm not telling you. But that doesn't sound exciting in a film where the first beat is um, on this given day. Uh, you can forget morality, and then part of their story is and morality breaks down. It's the, just like, what? That's the thing. Like the thing that's really weird is Ethan Hawke and uh, Lena Headey have, are really moral, and they want to protect this black guy who's out in the street. And they don't. They accept the purge for what it is, but they don't want to. They don't want to kill anybody. Their son says, "Would you ever kill anybody?" And they both go, "Oh, we don't really." We, they look at each other, and there's a bit of sad music, and it's like we don't really want to. And everybody else in the film is absolutely okay with it. Mm. And there's no. They don't play out why you would be okay with it. Why even if you hate someone, you'd be happy with killing them? Because it's not about people. Don't kill because it's against the law. They kill because morally they wouldn't be able to cope with it themselves. Uh, well, and that seems to be the. It would never happen in real life. If you do this day in real life, it would never happen. First of all, but if it did happen, then it would just be an escalating violence because there'd be a revenge attack. People wouldn't go. Yeah. Oh, actually. It would oh, be like. Sorry, you just killed my sister. Ah, oh, I've just missed him with that bullet. I've got. Gotta wait till next year now. Gotta wait till bloody what pain in the ass. Santa's coming. Well, it would. I don't. I don't think people would be that clever. They would firstly they get really really drunk, and then they just attack each other. And then the police wouldn't intervene. It would escalate enormously, and then it would escalate past seven p.m. And everyone would get arrested anyway. I mean, I guess like the basic idea is pretty much the same as the Hunger Games. Yeah. If you think about it, but at least the Hunger Games explores the whole thing. Whereas this, like I say, is just it's it's basically the first beat of a uh, people being attacked from the outside. So it's a gradual step down. So the Hunger Games, I think, is a poor version of the Running Man stroke Battle Royale. Yes. Yeah. Oh, huge. So the films are gradually getting watered and the down. The Purge isn't even as good as that. It's just taking... It's, it's like they've, is it as good they've as gone, oh, I like the idea. Um, it <laughs> is... It's, it's a better film than Trespass, but okay. it's not as enjoyable to watch. So mm. if The Purge gets watered down even more, it'll yeah. be a film about, like, you're allowed to take a piss in your neighbour's garden on a Tuesday afternoon between three and four, make a film out of that. <laughs> That'd yeah. be, I'd quite like to watch that. 
I think it's a short film, isn't it? It's a very short I think it's a, maybe a Pixar short the before the main go, feature. If you go first thing, you could probably... Straight in the eye, do some damage. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a Pixar short before the main feature. It's called Pissy Rose, um, about a girl called Rose. Do you want to know how many Danielles it gets? Go on then, The Purge. It gets... You're going to give four. it... Good. I thought you were going to give it six. Oh, no, no, no. I was toying between four and five. But, but the reason that I'm not really negative is I was expecting it to be the worst thing I've seen this year. How noisy was it? It wasn't that noisy. That's why That's I liked good. it. It didn't do that. It didn't do the... But then it, it's not that scary either. But it didn't play any of the... It was more like... It was a bit like funny... It was really borrowed from funny games as well. That's the one, the really horrible one. That's really, yeah, it's nowhere near as horrible it's the, as that. It's kind of the home invasion movie, really, that's influenced a lot of filmmakers Tim recently. Tim Roth and, um, and Naomi Oh, Watts. that was the remake. The original one's oh, German. Oh. Same director, um, though. He, he, he yeah, yeah, he remade it. In that's English. funny, Gums. <laughs> the sausage in your eye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there we go, four. Four, well, The Purge. Uh, Marek, you went to see something. I saw The Comedian. Oh! See, this is a British film. And the reason I saw this is because... Oh, we're all stand-up... Uh, do you do stand-up comedy? Well, Occasionally. We're all stand-up comedians. It's supposed to be a film about stand-up comedy. So I thought it would be really fascinating to see what someone outside... Because every, every few... Well, I, we, I don't do stand-up anymore, thank God. I don't do it anymore either. We hate stand-up Yeah, comedy. we hate stand-up. I think we stopped doing it. Well, I spent seven, <laughs> seven years doing it, plodding around the circuit was my life, essentially. Yeah. So I was really interested to see what... And every now and again, in British television, or f- suddenly they get excited with the idea of stand-up, and TV producers try and do some sort of stand-up-based thing. So I watched this. This is by, uh, directed by Tom Skolnick, and he also wrote it. Basically, it's a story of the of a guy who works in a call centre during the day. Uh, night, he's a stand-up. He's bisexual-ish, and it's like Andrew O'Neill, pretty much like that. Uh, and he's just on the open mic circuit. Uh, <laughs> but oh, Edward Hogg's in it. Yes, he plays oh, no, the no. Ma- he plays the main lead. Oh, does he? Yes, and he's very very good. And I thought the actors, in, and also the guy who's in a uh, the British, what was that weird thing on Channel Four, that uh, sci-fi sort of thing? Utopia. Yeah, Utopia. Nathan Stewart Jarrett, who plays the gay yes, guy in this, yes. he's in Utopia. I don't think he's very good in Utopia. In this, he's absolutely brilliant. He plays love interest. It's not a story about comedy. It's a story about basically a poor uh, want to be stand-ups life in London, and what it's like being. 30 something in London and and the normality of life hanging around the clubs the way people talk to each other and I think it is we, I watched Welcome to Punch earlier on the year and the director was banging on about how he wanted to show what London's like mm-hmm. and I thought that was that film was total bollocks this is the probably the most accurate portrayal of London I've, I've seen it's only 79 minutes long and it's essentially a short film that's stretched out with too many music bits. Oh, and that's a bit annoying. It could have been a great 40-minute film, and they've just stretched it out. Uh, the acting in it is... It's one of those films where you feel like the director's just 
let the cap, let the actors improvise and shot loads and loads and loads and loads and loads and got them to do bits of scenes so it sort of jump cuts in between them sort of talk conversations cut in in between the conversation to little bits that's moved on five minutes and ten minutes so the whole sense of time sort of yeah. a bit distorted in terms of the comedy aspect of it it did remind me of being a stand-up at the start the waiting in the corridors when you have a rubbish gig sitting by yourself waiting for the stand-up to go on had cameos from comics we know like Mike Belgrave and Brett uh, Goldstein all the big hitters yeah sort of uh, um, doing gigs Brett's been on guest on the show a while back didn't he he did room 212 yeah that's right 223 yeah. whatever it's called 237 237 that's <laughs> it yeah it's up across the corridor the one from The Shining yeah the one across the corridor I was thinking yeah. of the other one yeah. from um, uh, Heidi High terrifying scene and in it there's a couple of amazing scenes that's worth watching it for there's instance when they get when he's on the bus and they get attacked by these youths for being gay or by these f- basic female youths for being how they, an argument escalates on the bus and it just feels like you're watching real life London a scene from it and it's really interesting to see an honest filmmaker yeah and then there's a, a scene right at the end it's not really a spoiler because there's no it's more of a character study than a narrative of just him talking to a taxi driver and you just see the taxi driver in the mirror on the way back and he's he's just having talking about his life and what's happening and the taxi driver's quite a sort of wise sort of guru type figure but not really but it's just a brilliant conversation it's a really nice conversation it just it felt like London that I know so if you want to see if you're not if you're one of our listeners in um, Brunei 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 or um, Italy Jakarta yeah and there's some in South Africa or an Arctic research station. Yeah. And you're listening, you want to think, what is London like? This is the best example of what London's like. Um, it can't be that accurate a portrayal of the open mic circuit if he's getting a cab. He's, he's not doing that. Uh, he's getting a get to bus normally. Oh, I remember special ri- evening. I remember writing a letter to myself, because basically when you do gigs, you end up on tra- London Transport or you do gigs out of town and you get dropped off at Trafalgar Square Having to get a night bus back at well, four o'clock in the morning off in Enfield. Oh no! By Hal Crondon, and you have to get <laughs> back to Awful. West London. Awful. Waiting for the bus uh, in the middle of the night with, or waiting where there's. So, well, in the meantime, you're waiting there while the Eastern European cleaners arrive yeah. for work. <laughs> I wrote letters to myself saying to my fu- to my future children. Say never do stand up. Why is the worst <laughs> job, the loneliest job? You did, you, I did, did really sort of hit home. I did feel quite nostalgic, and but in the sense that I'm really glad I got out of this horrible career. So, but it's not really about. It shouldn't be called a comedian. It should be called the sort of a thirty-something. Something to do with the title of a, the the problems with a thirty-year-old man, a poor man in London who's bisexual and doesn't really know what he wants to do. You can see why they went for the comedian. Yeah, you can see that. Can't you? <laughs> Although I would have gone to see that one. Well, you could have called it um, bumming difficulties. <laughs> yeah, that, that gives a wrong element to it. Yeah, but I think they, they that said the title was probably taken. You've got to have a unique title too. for Google. Or a hashtag. hashtag. Hashtag yeah. bumming difficulties. Yeah. Okay. I give it six marics. It's interesting to watch. Very slow at points. And it feels like he's not really... And some of the shots... 
You know when you watch a film and the shots are so dark, you can't actually see what's going on for yeah. a minute. You may oh, do some. Ju- yeah. You're standing there going, well, I can't see what's happening here for about a minute. You were standing there. Yeah, I stood up. <laughs> so I thought, well, it must be because I'm sitting down. I, thought, I try standing the angle. up. Yeah, the angle. It's like look. a plasma screen if yeah, it's the it's wrong probably angle. Something to do with the, the shade. Even. Yeah, well, sorry. actually, it's, it depends on what cinema you're going to, but I may have talked about this already. Shut me up if I have. But with 3D projectors on these days, apparently often cinemas will just leave the second um, projector running, just shining white, because the... Uh, the copyright protection from these manu- the, these manufactured machines is so complicated, and if you get it wrong, it will lock you out for a day. That they just leave it running, so that actually it's washed out often in two D films. Um, apparently, that's why a lot of the fighting in Thor in two D was really hard to see because it was already very dark, and then a lot of them had this extra white light being projected onto it, just fading it out. Lazy projectionist. Yeah, I think it's a real art to projectionist. Oh, totally. Even yeah. the way you set up, watching some filmmakers talk about how most people's TVs aren't set up properly, they never even change it. And he went to a TV. He showed a film of him going to a Curry's or a Dixon's or a local TV outlet and showing the picture. And that's the when everyone the settings everyone leaves. And he went and did all these changes. It's all on there. You make your picture a hundred times better by adjusting all these yeah, yeah. things, but no one ever does it because you assume that's the best picture for it. Yeah, but even projectionists, they probably just well, they, well it, it'll be getting less and less skilled labour, won't it? It'll be more just this is how you do it. Um, I mean, yeah, I've gone to cinemas where they don't turn the lights off. Yeah, so it's a, yeah, it's a dying art. Uh, well, the, those are the films for this week: The Purge, Four Daniels, mm-hmm. and the comedian Six Marics. So if you fancy those... Let me just stress, it's not about comedy at all and it's not a funny film. Can the, I stress that The Purge... Is not about bulimia? ...is better if you have a yog <laughs> with it. OK. okay. Do you got, need to explain what yogs are again? Oh, it's a frozen yoghurt company. Uh, any frozen yoghurt will do. I'm not particularly loyal to yog as a brand. I don't... Any of them. Is it a bit like yog. yop? No. Is it, like yop. Is it a cross thing. between a yoghurt and an egg? No. Okay. It's a yogurt. Oh, I see. It's frozen yogurt. Right. It's the new ice cream. Well, speaking of frozen ice cream, uh, the middle section. Yeah. Um, we have had some letters and correspondences from people. Thank you if you have written in. Um, have you got one there, Danielle? Yeah. Mine is from Francesca Scalisi. She says, hello, look, I'm no Chris Webb. Hang on, where where is she oh, from? Oh, she is from New York. She's our regular listener. She's our regular listener from New York. And she says, look, I'm no Chris Webb, but I'm doing my part to keep your inbox full. Uh, what were your favourite films as a child? Do they stand up today? What was your favourite film as a child, Marek? My first film I went to see, which I loved because it was, well, I was supposed to go and watch the Smurfs movie. Oh. And my dad clearly didn't want to watch it, so he made some excuse that the, the cinema screen wasn't working. It was clearly a lie. So we went to watch the... I think it was maybe two screens. We saw Condor Man with Michael Crawford playing a superhero. Oh. And I remember thinking it was the... Well, it was the best one I saw because it was the first one we saw, but for ages I thought that was an amazing film. So I got it out after about two or three years ago. <laughs> really... <laughs> I was really upset about how bad it was. Oh. I was upset because it meant that if I thought that film was good then, or amazing then, 
somehow that I'd lied to myself that my whole childhood being nice because that was one of the best moments of my childhood and if it was that that was bad now think of what the other things were like I I can't remember ever really loving a film as a child I mean I really maybe when I got to about 13 um, I loved Grease really loved Grease surprised really and I really loved I loved Edward Scissorhands I went my nan I think I've told this story before my nan took me to the cinema to see it but I didn't want to cry in front of my grandmother so I I didn't cry and then when I got home I wept for about three hours and I found it really sad Aww. Yeah. I uh, whenever I went to Ace Video our local video store above the Frantuck chip shop um, I would always get Battle for Endor the uh, spin-off Ewok movie um, oh, we used to rent that. Where they'd go on an adventure and uh, try and defeat a giant in a cave, was I think. It, was it good? I remember it being fantastic. And there was the second one, Caravan of Courage, um, which is the worst title I've ever heard. But it, it, I remember them being fun, Just a little, but I haven't watched them again recently. The, the standout memory that I thought was a brilliant thing was it was about a a boy who was n- not unlike Luke Skywalker and his little um, uh, Peggy Sue haired sister, but they had then they were separated from their parents. They'd crash landed, but they had a bracelet on that had a light for uh, each member of your family, so you'd know wherever you are in the universe that they're still alive. Oh, did they go out gradually? Yeah. Oh, that's sad. This is what I remember. I may be completely wrong and have made that up in my own head. That's, but that's great. But it's that's almost like what a I remember. Future thing, but really terrible. Yeah, yeah. Good, good device. Yeah. Also, Until that was just the two of them left alone on this moon, and so that and they get separated, and then they. Get... I am. Um, I really loved uh, because it was my. Well, you know, I don't know if you, if anybody's got little kids, they watch the same film over and over and over again. And my brother, when I was growing up, my brother, who's about eight years younger than me, his favourite film was the Disney Robin Hood. Oh, great. Good love that. Good that loads great of, and that stands up. That's a really good... It's got good songs in it. Yeah. I love Time Bandits. Watch that again and again and again. And Flight of the Navigator. I should say... Flight of Dragons is the one I, I, which is here. Oh, we're still going to watch it. Is, uh, it does stand up. He's the best film I've seen so far this year. Still? Yeah. And uh, Watership Down, I really oh, love as well. Oh, beautiful film. Watership Down. Beautiful <gasps> film. I used to love The Water Babies. I haven't seen it for years. Water Baby starts a real life action and then goes into cartoon. Yeah. It's quite right wing that one, isn't it? Is it? Just saying, just saying it too. Well, had a bit of She has another question as well. Okay. I'm actually very curious as to what television shows you all like. <laughs> and that was, I'm actually very curious about what television shows you all like. That was the Italian like. sort of heritage coming out, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, she's like an Italian. Well, she's a Scalisi. That's an it must be Italian. Scalisi. If it is asked by a listener and read out during the middle section, is it allowable to talk about TV on a movie podcast? It made me very happy to hear you talk about the love of parks and recreations and the amazing Nick Offerman. What you can't see here is Danielle's doing this sort of hand, this gesture. sort of almost like ghetto hand gesture yeah. with it, <laughs> which really makes the impression. Yeah. It's method. It is method. Is that what method is? <laughs> I'd always wondered. That's Daniel how- Day-Lewis does those hand gestures in all of his parts. Um, Alright, what's your favourite TV programme? At the moment, is Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah, Game of Thrones. And I also watch The Apprentice. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoy that. And I I, I really like uh, some of the sort of Nordic detective dramas. Awesome. I enjoyed The Killing. 
I've yet to watch these, but I think I would love them. And even I watched Arne Dahl, which is a load of films there uh, showing on BBC Four. They do like uh, an hour, it's like three hour films, they split them in two. And I particularly enjoyed a series called The Bridge, which I thought I was, was about better, to ask. Yeah. Was better right. than The Killing. Yeah. Uh, well, <clears throat> I think Danielle and I watch the same things, but... Um, for some reason, it always works out. It's That's... weird. Um, Game of Thrones is the one at the moment. Yeah. Um, Community. Community, Parks and Rec. And Arrested Development. And Arrested Development. Don't watch any British comedy, it's terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's really boring. Uh, I just see people doing better than me and get bitter. Yeah. House of Cards was really good on Netflix as well. It's it? it now on Love Film as well. They've, they've given it to the world. Have they? Apparently so. Um... I also really like New Girl, but no one else seems to. It's good. The blokes are good. It is funny. So is it like gir- girls, but the new like the new Scooby Doo? Yeah. No. Uh, it's Zooey Deschanel. Is it Zooey or Zoe? Zoe. Zooey Deschanel. The all new Scooby. The all new Godzilla with Godzuki. I hate Godzuki. Bloody <laughs> Godzuki. Find who who made up Godzuki and kill him. I once put a reference to Godzuki in a show. This is getting rambly. <laughs> Yeah. I'm going to move to another letter. Next letter. Um, This is from Alex Wishart. He says... Sounds like a uh, pirate. He does, doesn't he? Uh, uh, A swashbuckler, I think. Yeah, a swashbuckler. Alex Wishart. Uh, Probably got some kind of flouncy shirt and a sword, I think. Um, Hi, buddy, Danielle, David and Marek. I've been listening from November and always looking forward to the new episode on Friday. I am from Kent, in case any of you want to do a Kentish accent. That is exactly what I'm doing. I think I am your young... Excuse me. This is all written out. Um, I think I am your young... It retakes. It's not radio I, d- I edit this. I can retake as many times as I like. Big cocks. Um, I think I'm your youngest listener, as in one of your recent episodes, you were wondering about your oldest listener. Anyway, I think you should see Epic in the cinema, unless you have already seen it. Uh, it may be a young person's film, but still my mum enjoyed it. I would give it nine and a half Alex's. Wow, Alex, that's quite some scale. As it was all great, but the dog should be able to talk. Well, since up, all dogs should be able to talk, really. Or, Alex, if you'd like to see where that comes from, then watch uh, Look Who's Talking Now. Um, <laughs> how, I wonder how old are you? should read it like a... How old do you think Alex is? I don't know. He just says he's our youngest listener. Uh, Alex, I want to apologise... For some of the things that I may have said <laughs> on this show, all of it is not true. I think Alex is 11. Um, well, thank you for your letter, Alex. And if you can email us back and tell us how old you are, then maybe we can do a more accurate voice next time. Um, have we got any others? Yes, I've got this here. Um, also, as we say quickly, thank you very much for all the emails. It's re- we really appreciate you sending them in. And apologies if we can't read them all out, but we do read them all. We several, read them all. Several times, and sometimes sticking up on our, our walls. We do, with those um, pictures of our next victims and all of that red string. Yeah, so please keep on sending us emails. listening to this podcast. We can't change what we do just because Alex listens. He's going to learn from someone. Okay, here's mine. Um, well, this is from Fabrice Faure, or Four, but, and he's from France. Go on, then. Uh, uh, French, <laughs> Bonjour, oui, oui. Hello, guys. You said you were interested to know if you had French listeners on the previous podcast. I can confirm that you do. I really appreciate the fact you guys are talking about the French movies. I haven't uh, French movies that I haven't heard of as I've been living in England for a bit. 
I went to see Maniac based on your recommendation and I thought it was a really interesting piece. Not perfect by any means, but a lot of it worked extremely well. And the cinema scene was foreshadowing the ending quite brilliantly. <laughs> While I'm speaking French, Buddy's come over and he's really a, a, almost aroused by this boy. Buddy is really attracted to Barry right now. I wonder now. if Fabrice has got that same effect on animals. I think you've reminded him of his favourite... Uh, actress Kristen Scott Thomas. Okay, let me just quickly. During the previous episode, you were talking about Depardieu before becoming famous and trying to break the US audience with masterpieces such as Ricard. He earned his status doing a lot of weird movies. One of my favorites would be Buffet Foie, a dark upset comedy from the 70s. He was also in another movie from the same director, Patron Pillier, called Les Values, Val, Val Suisses, something, Les, Les Val Suisses, uh, here we go. Neither movie is probably aged that well, and you will have, have a hard time finding a subtitle version, but it is interesting seeing him in this. Uh, uh, I would like to know how you guys feel about The Fountain, Primer and maybe Man by Dog. Cheers, Fabrice. Thank you, Fabrice. Thank you, Fabrice. Um, welcome, welcome to England. <laughs> I would say Primer uh, is on Netflix at the moment. I haven't seen Primer. Let's and I've see. Heard quite we watch, a lot about it. Well, let's watch Primer then next yeah. week. We'll watch it and tell you about that. Brilliant. Thank Bye. you, Fabrice. We're going to watch Primer next week. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I've got one here that says, "Dear the firm of Reed Ward and Larwood." In the light of Matt Smith leaving Doctor Who, I wondered who you would cast for a moody ad- movie adaptation, The Doctor, A Companion and the Master. Personally, I'd love to see uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor as the Doctor. So we are going to do that as our challenge right now. Yep. Um, Marek and Danielle, you are pitted against each other in the casting of a new Doctor Who movie. We don't do TV here, of as course. we were very clear last week. Um, I was quite stroppy. Yeah. A, a little bit stroppy, weren't you? Mate? Well, yeah. somebody also actually messaged us about that, saying they 100% agreed with you. I know, Chris Webb was Especially quite... Especially since you picked Tori Amos a few weeks ago to play that Hermione Chris Granger. Um, it was Chris Webb. Of course he'd have to bloody chip in. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we, shall we build up to Doctor Who? Why not? Okay. So, your master first. I'm going to go... Danielle, you first. My master's the best one I've got. Oh, so? I don't mind, though. Uh, master, I found quite... I had three choices for Master. Oh, right. Uh, but the one that I've gone with is Mads Mikkelsen. Oh, he's good. That's better than mine. I do like Mads. Mine's really boring. Who have you gone for? Terence Stamp. Because he's, he's played a villain with a beard before. <laughs> That's it. That's the extent of my imagination. I had Mads Mikkelsen, Christoph Waltz or Charles Dance, but I went for Mads Mikkelsen in the end. Oh, I saw Terence Stamp uh, last month going into um, a studio wearing a, a cap, carrying a plastic bag. He did not look like Zod. That's what's so evil about him. Yeah, I'm going to go for Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah, fair play. Okay, fair companion. Companion. The person who, through whose eyes the audience has to witness the majesty of the universe across all of time. Marek, who have you gone for? I have gone... As it's a, the movies, isn't it? Yes. Mm-hmm. Audrey Tattoo. Ooh. Oh. She basically plays that role in uh, The Da Vinci Code. Maybe a bit, yeah. She's a bit like, that quirky sort of look, but she's not too... I think they can be a bit 
too subservient, I think, sometimes. They in, have to in be previous... a little bit feisty without being higher status than him, and they can't be too whiny sure. or scared all I the time. I think she'd bring something interesting to it, like, you know, sort of Amelie, sort of, she'd be fascinated by the weirdness yeah. rather than scared, and she does play girly, but maybe a different sort of girly, and then that sort of feisty sort yeah. of... Uh, she might flirt you know. with the weirdness rather than run away from it. Yes, that'd be interesting to see. <laughs> well, it? my companion, I thought, right, this is a, this is going to be aimed largely at kids, this movie. Not a kids' film, but children want to be able to come see it. So a really strong female role model for kids. Um, I don't know what the actress's name is. That That's going to... That might, that, that, yeah. might be hard to find her then. But right. uh, <laughs> who she plays in a telly program? Oh, this is against. So not only did you not even is, you're saying that person off the telly <laughs> is Arya Stark. Arya Stark. I'm gonna have to look up her Which name. Which one's Arya Stark? The young, the young girl from Game of Thrones. She is brilliant. I love her. The one with the short bobbed hair. Yeah. Maisie Williams is yes, her name. I think. That is two violations there. You surely it? it's an all right one, but surely you can't. You have to know the name. Uh, well, that's one I thing. I could have looked up her name before we started. If, I if we're time. going, if we're at least meeting Marek, if not halfway, then at least an eighth of the way towards his TV rule. Yeah, has she been in any films? Well, that's what we need to know. And the answer is no. She has been in a short film in 2013, and she was in a short film. She has been in no films. It's almost as if the criteria is, oh, has she ever rented a video? She walked past a, she's walked past a film Hang poster. On, we can only cast people who've no, been I, in movies. I think we can cast actors. But yeah. I'm going to go, okay, between Maisie Williams and Audrey Tattoo. You know you want to cast Maisie Williams. I know you want to, but I, know I think I the do, rules have been... I think there's too many violations. I haven't violated there. nothing! To be honest... I don't really want Maisie Williams as the companion. I want Arya Stark as the companion. But I'm going to go with Audrey Tattoo. Yeah. I'm going to go with Audrey Tattoo. I haven't violated nothing, No, guys. you haven't. I don't think you have. Okay, it's all down to the doctors. They've got to be on Spotlight. It's all down to the doctors. <laughs> if you don't know what Spotlight is, I feel like I'm explaining. It's the casting thing in Britain. They have it in America as well. They have yeah. the, an equivalent. Spotlight, if you're an actor, you've got to pay to be on in in Spotlight, which is a bit, and they've got these big books of all the actors. It's, it's like an IMDb that only the industry is allowed to use. No one really actually uses no. it. In America, they use IMDb. Um, Do they? Yeah. That's why everyone got their photos on IMDb. Exactly. So, Doctor Who. Is no, it it's you first. Me. Someone not too attractive because we don't want all the stupid girls to fancy him and hang around. Humphrey <laughs> Kerbin. <laughs> um, he can't be fat, so no. Uh, I want someone. <laughs> not as Tom Tuck out. <laughs> um, I wanted someone, someone with authority, but can play Wonder as well. I've gone for Damien Lewis. Ooh. Interesting. What what outfit would you give him? What sort of whimsical British outfit would you give him? Boiler suit with a bowler hat. Interesting. I think bit be... creepy, but interesting. <laughs> Purple felt to go with his red hair. Um, I'd I'd give him the peacock cape that Sean Connery wears in Highlander. Interesting. Okay, Damien Lewis in a peacock cape. And what are you going for, Marek? I'm going for a fully naked. <laughs> yep. I mean. Him, this is him in his prime rather than... Uh, I'm glad it, I didn't pick Maisie Williams now. <laughs> it's him in his prime rather than actually now. Okay. Gene Wilder. 
an American. He would have been a good doctor in he, his prime. Absolutely, but he's American... a bit like Willy Wonka, isn't it? I suppose. Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm, that was my inspiration. I mean, he's a very good choice, but it's whether people would want to give an, a very very British part to an American actor. No, they wouldn't, Merrick. I I would. Who would you rather see? I, I would rather see this. Gene My Wilder. My three are brilliant. No, I would rather see Gene Wilder than Damien Lewis. Damien Lewis would be okay. So would I. It's Gene Wilder. It's Gene Wilder. I, of course I, you would. He's a, he's a fantastic choice for Doctor yeah. Who. I hadn't even considered him. Gene Wilder. Gene Wilder. Well, there you go. <sighs> Maisie Williams would have been a better companion. I can't hear because all I can hear is the crowd cheering <laughs> for my victory over your voice. This little whining in the but, Hang on, hang on. You said completely naked, didn't you? Okay, but he's covered in bubbles. Oh, this is too whimsical. No, his suit is bubbles. This is, oh, it's like Josie Long wrote it. It's getting a bit mean. then. Uh, so. So you're telling me I have to Photoshop Gene Wilder completely naked, covered in bubbles? No, you can just use his face. Okay. Uh, I wish I'd gone for Jeff Goldblum. He would have been a good doctor. It would have been good. It would have been good. Well. So many regrets. If you have better choices than Gene Wilder covered in bubble bath, then uh, why not email us? Uh, DearFilmFandango at gmail.com or go to our Facebook page. Or... Twitter. Twitter at at FilmFandango. Thanks for your help, Mark. Or... Or uh, come and see us live and tell us in person. How? June the 17th, we will be doing the first ever Film Fandango live at the Forge and Foundry in Camden. When? Um, June the 17th. Eight (laughs) o'clock. Why? That has yet to be ascertained. I really like Robocop, that's why. (laughs) Yes, we will show films that we've made ourselves and then we will show Robocop. party that you have to pay to come to. Are we just going to do that film, Robocop, and probably get some of... If we bring the voice recorder, get some reviews from the member. Uh, uh, you can hear the actual voices yeah, of some of our. Yeah, you could be on the podcast. Yeah, we'll that would be them. fun. No, but we're not only doing that. We're making our own short films as well. We're not going to review those, are we? No, absolutely not. I've done it. Give it no, David's. Um, I've, I've written the shooting script. It is now. <laughs> we're in pre-production at the moment. Yeah. I mean, we're just trying to find a first AD. It's eleven days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's gonna, it's gonna be great. If it is, a, if it is Buddy on your phone running up and down, <laughs> I'm gonna be furious. With the entertainer put over the We've top. Got different films. Yeah, I am trying to teach myself motion to do graphics on mine. Oh, I'm doing graphics on mine, but I've been able to do graphics since I was 14. All right, graphics man. It's easy. That's a good insult, isn't it? Yeah. Graphics man. Do you know how to use motion? The program? No, I use MS Paint. Okay. <laughs> I use Clip. Clip art. <laughs> animated clip art. No, not even animated. Just clip art. I don't even know what these programs are. I'm like an old man. Um, okay. If well, you like old men, why not come <laughs> and buy tickets to Film Fandango Live, June the 17th. Tickets £8.50. That includes the booking fee. You can buy them online. I don't know if... I think it's cash on the door as well. Someone asked. Yeah. You got It's cash only on the door. But there's cash points nearby, mm-hmm. so what you just do is you go. Go to one. There's literally one opposite. And put, go to it first, and then okay. second, come to the venue. If you go to the Halifax round the corner, yeah, or any other. Bank. Or the RBS. There's an RBS on the corner. If you get twenty pounds, like you buy a ticket, and you've got eleven pound fifty change. But 
<laughs> be really grateful if you bought them beforehand so we, we, we knew they're going to be so we weren't nervous about it um so we were recommended a film to watch um last week and the, that film was the natural uh, which i hadn't seen before had you seen it I've before i've never heard of it not only had i not seen it this one completely passed me by completely too. passed me by it is a uh, 1983 uh, <sighs> Nineteen eighty-four. Nineteen eighty-four. No, I've no system of remembering that year. Um, film about a uh, baseball player played by Robert Redford, who come mysteriously uh, becomes the most incredible baseball player who ever lived. Sort of in his forties. Um, well, he's thirty-five. Is he thirty-five? Um, he just looks in his forties for the whole film. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, and it. That is about it. He's meant to be 19 at the beginning. It's incredible. Um, let's... Okay. I mean, is, have we said enough about the plot? That is pretty much it. Yeah. It's um, based... So the, the plot is... That, it's based looked, on a book, isn't it? Yeah, so it was a really big... So in, in the, For our American listeners, you probably have heard of The Natural, a book published in 1952, which is based on the real-life story... Uh, so I think we can say it's not being really too much spoiled. It sort of is, and it isn't. I mean, yeah. I've read about the yes, book as well. Lo- very loosely based on a of a, a baseball player who got shot by some sort of stalker. Yes, and then came back. So we could say the story. Yeah, the beginning. The beginning is him uh, going to try out as a young man, young man, um, for a big team, and he happens to stop off at a carnival where the greatest. Um, a hitter in the game called the Whammer uh, is there, and he gets challenged to try and uh, strike him out, and he manages it. So it look he's just beaten the greatest baseball player alive, and he's on his way to try out for uh, the big leagues, the uh, major, the majors. The majors when um, uh, a crazy lady uh, sort of seduces him and shoots him, um, and then it cuts to sixteen years later. Great beginning. To mm. a film like mm. amazing, it was a properly WTF. Yes, and then it's what happens then, and you don't. It's not really like the book. It's not really about what happened, what he's been up to in those sixteen years. It's just out of the wilderness he comes, and here he is. Um, it also has Robert Duvall in it as a journalist who draws cartoons, um, and uh, Glenn, Close. Glenn Close as his childhood sweetheart. Kim Basinger. Kim Basinger is a kind of siren uh, figure. Um, and Robert Redford. Oh, yeah. Robert, yeah, Robert Redford. Redford in the title role. He's the lead. He's a natural... Hobbs. Um, I I found this film odd. Really, really weird. Tonally odd, storily-wise odd. it starts out, it's a bit like... It feels... It's quite exciting. And it changes into archetypal sports movie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it it, it is that? so ludicrous. The things that happen. I mean, having read about it, I feel I understand it more than I did at the time watching it. Mm. But for starters, the things that happen are preposterous, and the script is like it's written by a child. Like people just say what characters need to say at this point to get to the next bit. Like it's mm. really, really basic stuff. It's like a fairy story. It's like a kids movie, really. It's really popular in the states. In yeah, hugely popular. But oh, but about when I read about it, I can start to understand why because it is um, a myth. It's a fairy tale, and it evokes all of the old fairy tales. There's lots of analysis of it that says it's 
specifically about the tale of uh, Sir Percival from Arthurian legend when he meets the Fisher King because the uh, the washed up coach of a team that's failing is called his surname is Fisher in this but it also evokes Arthurian legend with the, the splitting of Excalibur because of his fatal flaw and um, being uh, su- and also, um, also the Odyssey the because the Odyssey. she the woman who shoots him at the beginning talks to him about asking him whether he's read the Odyssey at the beginning making a vert reference oh, to it and then he's on his journey back to baseball being his home and the the woman he loves and he gets seduced along the way um, which is all uh, the odyssey but that's all thrown in sort of thematically, textually but all of the things that happen to him are urban myths from the 50s and before about American baseball so all of the great stories about this guy did this and he came back for one last game and he did this and they give that to Robert Redford and this guy once once uh, smashed the clock uh, because mm. he bet a guy he could they've given that to Robert Redford and they've taken all of the myths and legends the fairy tale elements of a history of a country playing baseball and given them to one hero that's what baseball it's almost like a history like a bit, a, a, an homage to baseball really yes and baseball a baseball film seems to have this thing it's a bit like the equivalent of cricket where the sport itself is it's more it's this tradition and the whole feeling behind yes. the sort of but the stands and you know what watching it in the eight really it's been going on for ages and the cricket's got that over here we've got you know all the statistics and yeah, the slowness yeah. of the game and it's like an event not necessarily the sport but the act of going to it is part of it but not knowing these stories going into it mm. I found it really weird as a film because it's actually got real heavyweight actors they haven't chosen kind of fluffy kids movie people these yeah. are guys you could really in imbue a character with some deep inner pain or you know something interesting about them and the film has no pain whatsoever <laughs> I, I was really surprised to see Glenn Close playing that role yeah playing a sort of because you expect her she's so, so great yeah you expect to have some relation to her but she's like pretty much she's, sort of sugar sweet role yeah. isn't she she's just playing um, a like, like if this film was made now, she would be played by Catherine some... Heigl. Not in no, 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 not even that. She'd be played no. by some beautiful, dumb actress with that doesn't need to do anything. Like there's no, there's no depth to her character yeah. really. So it just needs to be played by someone absolutely gorgeous. Well, interestingly, mm. the book has uh, darkness in it because the the ending they changed because his fatal flaw ends up consuming him. And like in many of the Greek tales, like in actual mythology. Mm. Um, uh, it, you know, he ends up the the thing that is his weakest point ends up just escalating and getting big. Where in in this they've changed that and it's just triumph. It's just one man's triumph. He has no flaws. That that's what I found the most interesting in this. He's just like this character never does anything wrong, not really, ever. But it's like a family. Is it a family movie? I don't know what it is. I don't, that's the thing. I don't get totally what it is. I found it really hard to get a handle on because it starts with Robert Redford's dad dying underneath this oak tree, and then this tree being hit by lightning, and him using the tree to make his baseball bat wonder boy. And then there's this idea that this bat. <laughs> the beginning's like the beginning of Short Circuit. It yeah, feels like think, it's that kind of a movie. You think it's going to be some sort of like like either the bat's magic or his dad lives in the bat or so. You know, you expect there to be some sort of. That'd be a good thing. film, Dad Bat. Every time Batman. you hit the ball, Batman, call it, yeah, yeah. And, but you, you, you hurts your dad, but it's your career. But it's the best bat ever. See, I, but I thought there was going to be some significance to the dad and the tree and the bat, but 
But there isn't it's really. It's only, only thematically in that it's Excalibur. It's a magic sword. That, uh, th- but this is the thing where I don't I think the writers odd. have understood the book. Because I haven't read the book, but what I've read about the book is it is just uh, retelling legends in the American baseball setting of the 1950s. Um, so his Excalibur in the Arthurian legends does get broken by uh, Arthur's own hubris and, and... Oh, you snapped my bat, yeah! Yeah, and that's what happens to his version of Excalibur, the magical bat. Um, but it's not because of any weakness and it has no consequence. Um, so they haven't really understood what these stories are about. Um, it's very odd. I Not re- unenjoyable at all. I love watching Robert Redford. I think he's brilliant. I've got to say, um, you I feel you forget how I watched all the presidents many of the week as well. Yeah, Robert Redford's brilliant. He's so watchable. So watchable because he's so good looking. You know, he's got that. He sort of gets put in that good looking bracket. Sort of a bit how Brad Pitt did in his early days. Yeah. You think Robert Redford? He's. He, I could watch him for hours. He's brilliant. Yeah, he absolutely. Brilliant. But I, I think a lot of this movie. Is that that he he could be in any other movie? Like you're I just felt, watching yeah, a man I, I really who it. has no character traits. Really, no, I, I I I accept all those things and all the flaws for it. And I just thought I I enjoyed this sports film, and it was a bit like reading a a page turner book where it was easy. I don't feel challenged, but it was interesting in places. Yeah. It's got good actors. Glenn Close, I didn't think they used her enough. No, wasted. Even Kim Basinger didn't use her enough, but she seemed sort of. It was her quite early on in her career. Yeah. She was not as accomplished as she was in LA Confidential. I. But I really enjoyed it. I didn't really enjoy it. I didn't hate it. I didn't really enjoy it. And I think the two reasons were if it's if it's an odyssey of a character, if, if it's that story, if it's this one guy coming home I didn't while Robert Redford is watchable I didn't actually find the character he was playing particularly interesting because he has no flaws they've taken out the interesting they've taken out all the interesting stuff um, and so there's no conflict there Um, and from a sports movie point of view I actually really enjoy a bog standard sports movie that really sticks to the rules it's like a roller coaster it does everything Major League's a good one of my favourite baseball films but I don't think this does that. I don't think it plays out like a, a typical sports movie. There's, so you don't have the highs and the lows that you would have. There are things so preposterous in this, you would think it was an Austin Powers movie. Like the evil men in the room with no lights, um, looking out of the blinds, plotting that if this if they lose this match, then they'll own the they'll own the team. Like it's that heightened and preposterous. That that fairy tale. I I'm a big fan of uh, Trey Parker, Matt Stone, and the um, uh, the Zucker brothers' film Basketball, and I hadn't realised how much of the natural is in basket uh, in basketball until I watched this. Like there are the entire, pretty much the entire plot and whole sequences and characters, and in basketball it makes more sense. It fits perfectly tonally because it's a ridiculous um, Zucker film. In this, it see it's so odd that they're playing it like it's real and then these preposterous things are happening but it doesn't even have that ma- like you know when preposterous stuff happens you know that sort of feel with magnolia where you just accept that odd things are happening it doesn't even i found it i found it really hard to get to grips with tonally what this film was i really enjoyed it but i still just having watched it i don't know what to do with it do you know what i mean after you've just like i don't know i haven't really taken anything from it i think judging the response of it i think there's a I mean, if you're American people listening to us talk baseball, you probably sound 
we probably sound really naive and we don't know anything about about. Well, I think it's a love story but, to baseball. I think yeah, that's all it is. I think it's a sort of fam. I think it's a family sort of Sunday afternoon sort of mild peril film. Everyone can watch. It's easy. That appeals to that that you're explaining a guy's evil because he's in a dark room. He's looking for the blinds to you know six year old cinema can understand that played, it's, the actors don't play it like that's what the that's film that's what, yeah, that's what I find so interesting it's different from the film that's that we're being watching. made yeah like the, the actors are all of them none of them would look out of place in something like a Scorsese film from mm. you know the 70s which is the film that's how they made all their careers <laughs> The Natural yeah. yeah yeah Robert Redford was a no one before this film yeah 1984, everyone forgets that. That's when he first hit there's the a, scene. There's a couple of good cameos. The coaches, there's one of my favourite actors in this who died. He was a stuntman. I think I'm right. The assistant coach is a guy with a moustache mm-hmm. who's in... Yes, he's great. He's in Misery as well later on as a police officer. And he is in a film where, I can't remember the name of the film, but he drives a lawnmower across America, which is an amazing film. It's not Lawnmower Man. <laughs> <laughs> but he's a brilliant actor... And he's in this, and he was a stuntman for years and years and years and got into acting, so I was really pleased to see him in it. Um, how many... I thought it was, sorry, I've just looked him up, because I remembered as well that when the credits came up at the beginning, the uh, D- the director of photography on this was Caleb Deschanel, and I thought, Deschanel, that's an odd name, Zoe Deschanel's dad. It is. It is Zoe Deschanel's that's dad. That's what you said, I thought you were joking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, did Was the director of photography. So there you go. Um... Well, no you don't know what to do with that information, <laughs> You're looking I'm gobsmacked. I'm gobsmacked. It turns out that a successful actress has a father in the business. I knew it was a Deschanel. <laughs> you could tell, couldn't you? Yeah. I thought she'd been created by magic under a lovely bush one day. She was created, she was created when the out wonder, of some lovely bush. When the Wonder Bats. <laughs> wonder Bats smashed. Yeah. In the lovely bush. In the lovely bush. I'd go and see a film called The Lovely Bush. I'd go and see uh, Dad Bat. <laughs> Dad Bat. Batman. Colon. Dad Bat. How many Marricks? Six. You, you see, I thought you would have given it more than that. No, I think it was. I think it was flawed. It was, but I it still was enjoyed nice to, it. It was not nice challenging. To see the whammer in it, who was that terrible American character who appears in quite a few Roger Moore Bond films. Oh, was he? Yeah. yeah. Oh no, he isn't him. I'm no. completely wrong. I've I've just checked my memories and it's not him. <laughs> I would give it six as well, and I didn't enjoy it anywhere near as you. Six, yeah. I'd give it six as well. The devil's film. The natural. Sorry, he's the American in the Brosnan Bond films. Oh, Golden Eye and Tomorrow Never Dies and everything. I've not seen any. Like Felix, you mean? No, well, he's the Felix Leiter equivalent who's just like an American boob in a Hawaiian shirt who's got a tiny car uh, living in Russia. Nothing. What? Sounded like you said something else. What did it it sound like? He said a tiny car. Tiny car. But it sounded like you said something else. What sounds like tiny car? I can't say because nine year old kids listen to the show. Eleven. We don't know how old he is. he could he could have just misjudged what the youngest listener is by a long way. He, he could, could be, be like forty three. Twenty or something. Um thanks for listening. Bye. No, you don't get to do that. Not so abruptly. Thanks a lot, bye. But that's it, bye. What? No. I think the dog's dead.
Oh, he's back alive. Right, we'll be back next week with more movies. We will have watched Primer. Primer. Primer, so if you want to watch that, or if you want to comment on anything we've talked about, dearfilmfandango at gmail.com. We will be back next week. Keep watching the films. Bye. 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 Well, he's a bit of a fat cat, but he's a good moral guy. He's got two kids, they're nice. Um, some plot goes on, and basically, he, on the night of the purge, there's a black guy wandering the street, and it turns out the purge, rather than being about anybody doing what they want, it's about really rich, posh people killing very poor people. Ah, so uh, this is not really what would happen. No. So they let this. They let this <laughs> it's people who can't afford to protect themselves are the targets. So this, they let this black guy into their house, and some young kids come up and go, we wanted to purge, um, we want to kill this black guy that you've got in your house. If you don't let him out, what we'll do is we will tear down your security system. And at this point you find out that the security system that Ethan Hawke has, where like all these um, grids come down over the windows, mm. can't withstand some children. And he says to his wife, oh, well, yeah, no, it's quite good, but it's not good enough to protect us from these kids and their truck. It sounds like his whole business is based on a shoddy product. Well, it's this is where the film falls apart. It's a really nice idea, and it, like I said, it's like those sort of couple in their house being terrorised by kids. It's been that's been done before, but it's got a no, it's got a more satirical edge. But there's so many flaws in it. There's something quite sci-fi in the um, state-sanctioned crime day, isn't there? Is yeah. it a sci-fi? It sounds like a, it sounds like a, the idea. It sounds brilliant. It's, it's quite Terry premise. Pratchett. Have you read any of the Discworld books? Yeah, it's just because they. It just reminds me of the. I've not. Re- I've read a few of them, but it reminds me of the uh, Thebes Guild, which is the idea that the guild controls all crime, yeah. and co- so that they can uh, keep cap the crime rate at a very low level. But because they accept it will happen. It feels like Running Man, a bit like Running Man. Yeah, to me. it's a great idea. It's nowhere near as interestingly shot as Running Man. It's shot like a bog standard horror film. Um, but the problem is that. It doesn't know what it wants to be. It doesn't know whether it's making a satirical point on violence, whether it is just a kind of lock these people in a house and let these kids come in and terrorise them. Like I said, it's meant to be a state-of-the-art security system and with one truck they pull down the front gate and then all the like all the grids on the windows aren't there anymore so someone just smashes their way in through a window. Right. It's, I'm, I've noticed a trend that they seem to think it's a zeitgeisty thing for all sci-fis, for all analogous... Um, fantasy stories to sort of evoke the class struggle now. This seems to be sort of America has latched onto it, you know, in, in the sort of counterculture sort of revolution uh, kind of age. I mean, in time was exactly the same. It, it sort of latched onto this um, the poor rising up against the rich thing, but it, it's it sort of was wingy, tacked though, on. Isn't it? it didn't really have anything to say about it. It just seemed to be a new idea to them. I don't know. It's. Um. I, 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 don't, like, I don't mind that as a thing. There's, there's a great idea in there somewhere, and it's so poorly executed, it actually leaves you... I mean, not a bad film. Compared to what I thought it was going to be, I thought it was going to be absolutely awful. I'd only gone for the yog, mm. and the yog was a happy bonus. Uh, it was, it's, it's OK. I must say that um, I was very excited that uh, Lena Headey is in it, because I went on Monday night and missed Game of Thrones... And it's the, it's it's Cersei uh, Lannister from Game of Thrones. Did you see Dread? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Because she's the baddie in Dread as well. She's, she's doing really well. Yeah, she's she is. doing really well. 
Did you watch Game of Thrones on Monday night? Yes. Boy, oh boy. Yeah, watch Game of Thrones. Um, um, so that's because I always, oh, when I found out the plot to this film was one of the few I thought this, this could be brilliant. Yeah. It's not often I want you want to go and see a film just because of its premise, but I'm, I, I'm well, sad it wasn't that. Great. I think it was so poorly done that you could just take the premise and just make another film. When you've got a premise film like that where you've just set up a thing that is true, you've got to then just leave that as your central idea and then explore all of the possibilities of what that would mean in a reality. You know, like um, uh, Logan's Run, where, yeah. you know, if people are killed when they reach this age, what would happen if somebody doesn't want that to happen? And, you know, what? where are the hypocrisies in society? Well, not, and where, not, would it be, where would corruption come in? And, you know, it's, it doesn't they, sound from what you're saying like they've done that. No, what they've done is they've gone, we really want to make a... Family terrorised by a group of outsiders. No. Let's stick on a premise at the beginning to make it a bit different from the ones that already exist. And then, as I say, the neighbours who are a bit jealous of their of their fancy stuff. Maybe the neighbours get involved a little bit as well. Oh, and that I'm... feels tacked on as well. But you know that's going to happen. You know that like it's really flagpost that the neighbours. But how they get involved, I'm not telling you. But that doesn't sound exciting in a film where the first beat is. Um, on this given day, uh, you can forget morality, and then part of their story is and morality breaks down. The, like, well, that's the thing. Like the thing that's really weird is Ethan Hawke and uh, Lena Headey have, are really moral, and they want to protect this black guy who's out in the street. And they don't. They accept the purge for what it is, but they don't want to. They don't want to kill anybody. Their son says, "Would you ever kill anybody?" And they both go, "Oh, we don't really." We, they look at each other, and there's a bit of sad music, and it's like we don't really want to. And everybody else in the film is absolutely okay with it. Mm. And there's no. They don't play out why you would be okay with it. Why even if you hate someone, you'd be happy with killing them? Because it's not about people. Don't kill because it's against the law. They kill because morally they wouldn't be able to cope with it themselves uh, well, and that seems to be the it would never happen in real life in real, if you do this day in real life it would, it would never happen first of all but if it did happen then it would just be an escalating violence because there'd be a revenge attack because people wouldn't go yeah. oh actually it would oh, be like, sorry you've just killed my sister oh, I've just missed him with that bullet I've got I've got to wait till next wait, year yeah. now I've got to wait till bloody what pain in the arse Santa's coming well yeah. it would I don't. Th- I don't think people would be that clever. They would firstly they get really, really drunk, and then they just attack each other. And then the police wouldn't intervene. It would escalate enormously, and then it would escalate past seven p.m. and everyone would get arrested anyway. I mean, I guess like the basic idea is pretty much the same as the Hunger Games. Yeah. If you think about it, but at least the Hunger Games explores the whole thing. Whereas this, like I say, is just it's it's basically the first beat of a people being attacked from the outside so it's a gradual step down so the Hunger Games I think is a poor version of the Running Man Stroke Battle Royale yes yeah. oh, huge so the films are gradually getting watered and down and the isn't even as good as that it's just taking it's, it's like they've, is it as good they've as gone trespass? oh I like the idea um, it is it's, it's a better film than Trespass but okay. it's not as enjoyable to watch so mm. if the purge gets watered down even more it'll be yeah. a film about like you're allowed to take a piss in your neighbour's garden on a Tuesday afternoon between three and four, make a film out of that. That'd be. Yeah. I'd quite like to watch that. I think it's a short film, isn't it? It's a very. Short I think it's a, maybe a Pixar short the before the main go, feature. If you go first thing, you could probably straight in the eye, do some damage. Uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's a Pixar short before the main feature. It's called Pissy Rose. 
um, about a girl called Rose. Do you want to know how many Danielles it gets? Go on then. The Purge. It gets. You're going to give four. it four. Good. I thought you were going to give it six. Oh no no no! I was toying between four and five. But the reason that I'm not really negative is I was expecting it to be the worst thing I've seen this year. How noisy was it? It wasn't that noisy, that's why I liked it. It didn't do that. It didn't do the... But then it's not that scary either. But it didn't play any of the... It was more like... It was a bit like funny... It really borrowed from funny games as well. That's the one, the really horrible one. That's really, yeah, it's nowhere near as horrible it's the, as that. It's kind of the home invasion movie, really, that's influenced Tim, a lot of filmmakers Tim recently. Tim Roth and... Um, uh, oh, that was the remake. The original one's oh, German. Ah, oh. same director. Um, though. He, he, he yeah, yeah, he remade it. In that's English. funny, Gums. <laughs> that's sausage in your eye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there we go. Four. Four. Well, the purge. Uh, Marek. Then was for the yog. You went to see something. I saw the comedian. Oh. See, this is a British film, and the reason I saw this is because. Oh, we're all stand-up... Do you do stand-up com- Well, Occasionally. We're all stand-up comedians. It's supposed to be a film about stand-up comedy, so I thought it'd be really fascinating to see what someone outside... Because every, every few... Well, I, we, I don't do stand-up anymore, thank God. I don't do anymore either. We hate stand-up Yeah, comedy. we hate stand-up. I we stopped doing it. But I spent seven, <laughs> seven years doing it. Plodding around the circuit was my life, essentially. Yeah. So I was really interested to see what... And every now and again, in British television or... For, Suddenly they get excited with the idea of stand-up and TV producers try and do some sort of stand-up based thing. So I watched this. is by... Uh, directed by Tom Skolnick and he also wrote it. Basically it's a story of the of a guy who works in a call centre during the day. At night he's a stand-up. He's bisexual-ish and it's... Like Andrew O'Neill. Pretty much like that. Uh, and he's just on the open mic circuit. Uh, but oh, Edward Hogg's in it. Yes, he plays the ma- he plays the main lead. Oh, does he? Yes, and he's very very good. And I thought the actors in- and also the guy who's in a uh, the British what was that weird thing on Channel Four that uh, sci fi sort of thing? Utopia. Yeah, Utopia. Nathan Stewart Jarrett, who plays the gay yes, guy in this, yes. he's in Utopia. I don't think he's very good in Utopia. In this, he's absolutely brilliant. He plays love interest. It's not a story about comedy. It's a story about basically a poor uh, want-to-be stand-up life in London and what it's like being sort of 30-something in London and, and the normality of life, hanging around the clubs, the way people talk to each other. And I think it is. We, I watched Welcome to Punch earlier on in the year and the director was banging on about how he wanted to show what London's like. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was that film was total bollocks. This is the probably the most accurate portrayal of London I've seen. It's only seventy nine minutes long, and it's essentially a short film that's stretched out with too many music bits. Oh, and that's a bit annoying. It could have been a great forty minute film, and they've just stretched it out. Uh, the acting in it is it's one of those films where you felt like the directors just let the cat let the actors improvise and shot loads and loads and loads and loads and loads and got them to do bits of scenes so it sort of jump cuts in between them sort of talk conversations cut in in between the conversations to little bits that's moved on five minutes and ten minutes so the whole sense of time sort of yeah. a bit distorted in terms of the comedy aspect of it 
it did remind me of being a stand-up at the start. The waiting in the corridors when you have a rubbish gig sitting by yourself, waiting for stand-up to go on. Had cameos from comics we know like Mike Belgrave and Brett uh, Goldstein. All the big hitters. Yeah, sort of uh, um, doing gigs. Brett's been on guest on the show a while back, didn't he? He did Room 212. Yeah, that's right. 223, yeah. whatever it's called. 237. 237, that's it, yeah. <laughs> it's up across the corridor. The one from The Shining. Yeah, the one across the corridor. I was thinking yeah. the other one yeah. from um, uh, Heidi High. Terrifying scene. And in it, there's a couple of amazing scenes that's worth watching it for. There's an instant when, they get, when he's on the bus and they get attacked by these youths for being gay or by these f- basic female youths for being having an argument escalates on the bus and it just feels like you're watching real life London a scene from it and it's really interesting to see an honest filmmaker yeah and then there's a, a scene right at the end it's not really a spoiler because there's no it's more of a character study than a narrative of just him talking to a taxi driver and you just see the taxi driver in the mirror on the way back and he's he's just having talking about his life and what's happening and the taxi driver's quite a sort of wise sort of guru type figure not, not really but it's just a brilliant conversation it's a really nice conversation it just it felt like London that I know so if you want to see if you're not if you're one of our listeners in um, Brunei 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 or um, Italy Jakarta yeah and there's some in South Africa or an Arctic research station. Yeah. And you're listening, you want to think, what is London like? This is the best example of what London's like. Um, it can't be that accurate a portrayal of the open mic circuit if he's getting a cab. He's, he's not doing that. Uh, he's getting a gets a bus normally. Oh, I remember special ri- evening. I remember writing a letter to myself, because basically when you do gigs, you end up on tra- London Transport or you do gigs out of town and you get dropped off at Trafalgar Square Having to get the night bus back at or four o'clock in the morning off in Enfield. Oh no! By Hal Crondon, and you have to get <laughs> back to Awful. West London. Awful. Waiting for the bus uh, in the middle of the night with, or waiting where there's. Well, in the meantime, you're waiting there while the Eastern European cleaners arrive yeah. for work. <laughs> I wrote letters to myself saying to my fu- to my future children. Say never do stand up. Why it's the worst job, the loneliest job. You did, you, I did, did really sort of hit home. I did feel quite nostalgic, and but in the sense that I'm really glad I got out of this horrible career. So, but it's not really about. It shouldn't be called a comedian. It should be called the sort of a thirty something. Something to do with the title of a the the problems with a thirty year old man, a poor man in London who's bisexual and doesn't really know what he wants to do. You can see why they went for the comedian yeah, instead, you can see though, that. can't you? Although I would have gone to see that one. Well, you could have called it um, bumming difficulties. <laughs> yeah. That, that gives a wrong element to it. Yeah. But I think they, they've that said title's that, probably taken. You've got to have a unique title too. for Google. Or a hashtag. Hashtag, hashtag, hashtag bumming difficulties. Yeah. yeah. Okay. If I give it six Marics. It's interesting to watch very slow at points. And it feels like he's not really... And some of the shots... You know when you watch a film and the shots are so dark, you can't actually see what's going on for yeah. a minute. And they oh, do some... Ju- yeah. You're standing there going, well, I can't see what's happening here for about a minute. You were standing there. Yeah, I stood up. Because <laughs> <laughs> I thought, well, it must be because I'm sitting down. I'll try standing up. The angle. Up. Yeah, the angle. It's like look. a plasma screen if yeah, it's the it's wrong angle. Yeah, it's probably something to do with the 
the shade in yes, well so. actually it's, it depends on what cinema you're going to but I may have talked about this already shut me up if I have but with the 3D projectors on these days apparently often cinemas will just leave the second um, projector running just shining white because the uh, the copyright protection from these manu- the, these manufactured machines is so complicated and if you get it wrong it will lock you out for a day that they just leave it running so that actually it's washed out often in 2D films. Um, apparently that's why a lot of the fighting in Thor in 2D was really hard to see because it was already very dark and then lots of them had this extra white light being projected onto it just fading it out. Lazy projectionist. Yeah. It's a real art to projectionist. Oh, totally. Even yeah. with the way you set up watching some filmmakers talk about how most people's TVs aren't set up properly they never even change it and he went to a TV he showed a film of him going to a Curry's or a Dixon's or a local TV outlet and showing the picture and that's the when everyone the settings everyone leaves and he went and did all these changes it's all on there you make your picture a hundred times better by adjusting all these yeah, yeah. things but no one ever does it because you assume that's the best picture for it yeah but even projectionists they probably just well they, what, it, it'll be getting less and less skilled labour won't it it'll be more just this is how you do it um, I mean, yeah, I've gone to cinemas where they don't turn the lights off. Yeah. So, it's a, yeah, it's a dying art. Uh, well, the, those are the films for this week. The Purge, Four Daniels, mm-hmm. and The Comedian, Six Marics. So if you fancy those... Let me just stress, it's not about comedy at all, and it's not a funny film. Can the, I stress that The Purge... Is not about bulimia? ...is better if you have a yog with it. <laughs> okay. Do you need to explain what yogs are again? Oh, it's a frozen yogurt company. Uh, any frozen yogurt will do. I'm not particularly loyal to yog as a brand. I don't any of them. Is it a bit like yog. yop? No. Is, like it, yop. is it a cross between a yogurt and an egg? No. Okay. It's a yogurt. Oh, I see. It's frozen yogurt. Right. It's the new ice cream. Well, speaking of frozen ice cream, uh, the middle section. Yeah. Um... We have had some letters and correspondences from people. Thank you if you have written in. Um, have you got one there, Danielle? Yeah. Mine is from Francesca Scalisi. She says, hello, look, I'm no Chris Webb. Hang on, where, where is she oh, from? Oh, she is from New York. She's our regular listener. She's our regular listener from New York. And she says, look, I'm no Chris Webb, but I'm doing my part to keep your inbox full. Uh, what were your favourite films as a child? Do they stand up today? What was your favourite film as a child, Marek? My first film I wanted to see, which I loved because it was, well, I was supposed to go and watch the Smurfs movie. Oh. And my dad clearly didn't want to watch it, so he made some excuse that the, the cinema screen wasn't working. It was clearly a lie. So we went to watch the, I think it was maybe two screens, we saw Condor Man with Michael Crawford playing a superhero. Oh. And I remember thinking it was the well, it was the best one I saw because the first one we saw. But for ages, I thought that was an amazing film. So I got it out after about two, three years ago. <laughs> really, right. I was really upset about how bad it was. Oh. I was upset because it meant that if I thought that film was good then, or amazing then, somehow that I'd lied to myself that my whole childhood being nice because that was one of the best moments of my childhood. And if it was that. That was bad now. Think of what the other things were like. I I can't remember ever really loving a film as a child. I mean, I really... 
maybe when I got to about 13, um, I loved Greece. Really loved Greece. Surprised. Really? And I really loved... I loved Edward Scissorhands. I went... My nan... I think I've told this story before. My nan took me to the cinema to see it. But I didn't want to cry in front of my grandmother. So I, I didn't cry. And then when I got home, I wept for about three hours. I found it really sad. Oh. Yeah. I, uh... Whenever I went to Ace Video, our local video store above the Frytuck chip shop, um, I would always get Battle for Endor, the uh, spin-off Ewok movie. Um, oh, we used to rent that. Where they'd go on an adventure and uh, try and defeat a giant in a cave, was I think. It, was it good? I remember it being fantastic. And there was the second one, Caravan of Courage. Um, which is the worst title I've ever heard. But it, it, I remember them being fun, Just, little, but I haven't watched them again recently. The, the standout memory that I thought was a brilliant thing was it was about a, a boy who was n- not unlike Luke Skywalker and his little um, uh, Peggy Sue-haired sister. But they had... Then they were separated from their parents. They'd crash-landed. But they had a bracelet on that had a light for uh, each member of your family so you'd know wherever you are in the universe that they're still alive. Oh, they go out gradually. Yeah. Oh, that's sad. This is what I remember. I may be completely wrong and have made that up in my own head. That's, but that's great. But it's that's almost what like the I remember. Future thing, but really terrible. Yeah, yeah. Good, good device. Yeah. Also, Until it was just the two of them left alone on this moon and so the, and they get separated. And then they get I um, I really loved... Uh, because it was my... Well, you know, I don't know if, you, if anybody's got little kids, they watch the same film over and over and over again. And my brother, when I was growing up, my brother, who's about eight years younger than me, his favourite film was the Disney Robin Hood Oh, great! Good love one. that. Good I think one. that great and that film. stands up. That's a really good. It's got good songs in it. Yeah, I love Time Bandits. Watch that again and again and again. And Flight of the Navigator. I should say, Flight of Dragons is the one I, I which is here. We're still going to watch. It. Is uh, it does stand up? He's the best film I've seen so far this year. Still, yeah. And uh, Watership Down, I really oh, love as well. Oh, beautiful film. Down. Beautiful <gasps> film. I used to love The Water Babies. I haven't seen it for years. Water Babies starts in real life action and then goes into cartoon. Yeah. It's quite right wing, that one, isn't it? Is it? Just saying, just saying it's well, a bit She has another question as well. Okay. I'm actually very curious as to what television shows you all like. <laughs> And that was I'm actually very curious about what television shows. That was the like. Italian sort of heritage coming out, yeah, isn't it? She's like an Italian. Well, she's a, a Scalisi. That's an, it. Must be Italian. Scalisi. If it is asked by a listener and read out during the middle section, is it allowable to talk about TV on a movie podcast? It made me very happy to hear you talk about the love of parks and recreations and the amazing Nick Offerman. What you can't see here is Danielle's doing this sort of hand. This sort of almost like ghetto hand gesture yeah. with it, <laughs> which really makes the impression. Yeah, it's method. It is method. Is that what method is? <laughs> I'd always wondered. That's Daniel Day Lewis does those hand gestures in all of his parts. Um, Marek, what's your favourite TV program? At the moment, is Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah, Game of Thrones. And I also watch The Apprentice. <laughs> I really enjoy that and I I, I really like uh, some of the sort of Nordic detective dramas uh, I enjoyed so The Killing I've yet to watch these but I think I would love them and even I watched Arne Dahl which is a, a load of films uh, uh, showing on BBC4 they do like uh, an hour it's like three hour films they split them into 
and I particularly enjoyed a series called The Bridge, which I thought I was, was about better, to ask. Yeah. Was better right. than The Killing. Yeah. Uh, well, <clears throat> I think Danielle and I watched the same things, but um, for some reason they always work out. It's That's weird. Um, Game of Thrones is the one at the moment. Yeah. Um, community. Community. Parks and Rec. And Arrested Development. And Arrested Development. Don't watch any British comedy, it's terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's really boring. Uh, I just see people doing better than me and get bitter. Yeah. House of Cards was really good on Netflix as well. They came it? It's now on Love Film as well. They've they've given it to the world. Have they? Apparently so. Um, I also really like New Girl, but no one else seems to... It's good. The it, blokes are good. It is funny. So is it like... Girl, girls, but the new like the new Scooby Doo. Yeah, no, uh, it's Zooey Deschanel. Is it Zooey or Zoe? Zoe. Zooey Deschanel. The all new Scooby, the all new Godzilla with Godzuki. I hate Godzuki. Bloody <laughs> Godzuki. Find who who made up Godzuki and kill him. I once put a reference to Godzuki in a show. This is getting rambly. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to move to another next, letter. Next letter. Um, this is from Alex Wishart. He says... It sounds like a uh, pirate. He does, doesn't he? Probably uh, uh, is. A swashbuckler, I think. Yeah, a swashbuckler. Alex Wishart. Uh, probably got some kind of flouncy shirt and a sword, I think. Um, hi, buddy, Danielle, David and Marek. I've been listening from November and always looking forward to the new episode on Friday. I am from Kent, in case any of you want to do a Kentish accent. That is exactly what I'm doing. I think I am your... Y- lung- Excuse me. This is all written out. Um, I think I'm your young... It retakes. It's not radio I, d- I edit this. I can retake as many times as I like. Big cocks. Um, I think I'm your youngest listener, as in one of your recent episodes, you were wondering about your oldest listener. Anyway, I think you should see Epic in the cinema, unless you have already seen it. Uh, it may be a young person's film, but still my mum enjoyed it. I would give it nine and a half Alex's. Wow, Alex, that's quite some scale. As it was all great, but the dog should be able to talk. Well, since up, all dogs should be able to talk, really. Or, Alex, if you'd like to see where that comes from, then watch... Uh, look who's talking now. Um, <laughs> how, old, how old are you? should read it like a... How old do you think Alex is? I don't know. He just says he's our youngest listener. Uh, Alex, I want to apologise... For some of the things that I may have said <laughs> on this show, all of it is not true. I think Alex is 11. Um, well, thank you for your letter, Alex. And if you can email us back and tell us how old you are, then maybe we can do a more accurate voice next time. Um, have we got any others? Yes, I've got this here. Um, also, as you say quickly, thank you very much for all the emails. It's re- we really appreciate you sending them in. And apologies if we can't read them all out, but we do read them all. We several, do read them all. Several times, and sometimes sticking up on our, our walls. We do, with those um, pictures of our next victims and all of that red string. Yeah. So please keep on sending us Child emails. Child listening to this podcast. We can't change what we do just because Alex listens. He's going to learn from someone. Okay, here's mine. Um, well, this is from Fabrice Faure, or Four, but... And he's from France. Go on then. Uh, uh, French, <laughs> <laughs> Bonjour, oui, oui. Hello, guys. You said you are interested to know if you had French listeners on the previous podcast. I can confirm that you do. I really appreciate the fact you guys are talking about the French movies. I haven't uh, French movies. I haven't heard of as I've been living in England for a bit. I went to see Maniac based on your recommendation and I thought it was a really interesting piece. Not perfect by any means, but a lot of it worked extremely well and the cinema scene was foreshadowing the ending quite brilliantly. 
while like, I'm speaking French, Buddy's come over and he's really a, a, almost aroused by this voice. Buddy is really attracted to Barrett right now. I wonder now. if Fabrice has got that same effect on animals. I think you've reminded him of his favourite uh, actress, Kristen Scott Thomas. Okay, let me just quickly uh, do. Um, during the previous episode, you were talking about Depardieu before becoming famous and trying to break the US audience with masterpieces such as Ricard he earned his status doing a lot of weird movies one of my favorites would be Buffet Foie a dark upset comedy from the 70s he was also in another movie from the same director Patron Pillier called Les Values Values Valsuices, something. Les, les <laughs> Valsuices. Uh, here we go. Neither movie's probably aged that well, and you'll have, have a hard time finding a subtitled version, but it is interesting seeing him in this. Uh, uh, I would like to know how you guys feel about The Fountain, Primer, and maybe Man by Dog. Cheers, Fabrice. Thank you, Fabrice. Thank you, Fabrice. Um, welcome, welcome to England. <laughs> I would say Primer. Uh, is on Netflix at the moment. I haven't seen Primer. Let's and I've see. Heard quite we watch, a lot about it. Well, let's watch Primer then next yeah. week. We'll watch it and tell you about that. Brilliant. Thank Bye. you, Fabrice. We're going to watch Primer next week. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I've got one here that says, "Dear the firm of Reed Ward and Larwood, in the light of Matt Smith leaving Doctor Who, I wondered who you would cast what? for a moody ad- movie adaptation: the Doctor, a companion, and the Master. Personally, I'd love to see." Uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor as the Doctor. So we are going to do that as our challenge right now. Yep. Um, Marek and Danielle, you are pitted against each other in the casting of a new Doctor Who movie. We don't do TV here, of as course. we were very clear last week. Um, I was quite stro- I yeah, got a bit of a, f- a little bit stroppy, weren't you? Mary? Well, yeah. somebody also actually messaged us about that, saying they 100% agreed with you. I know, Chris Webb was Especially quite. Especially since you picked Tori Amos a few weeks ago to play that was Hermione Granger. Um, it was of course he definitely bloody chip in <laughs> <laughs> okay we shall we build up to Doctor Who why not okay so your master first I'm gonna go Danielle you my, first my master's the best one I've got oh so I don't mind though <laughs> uh, master I found quite I had three choices for master oh right uh, but the one that I've gone with is Mads Mikkelsen oh he's good that's better than mine I do like Mads Mine's really boring. Who have you gone for? Terence Stamp. Because he's he's played a villain with a beard before. (laughs) That's it. That's the extent of my imagination. I had Mads Mikkelsen, Christoph Waltz or Charles Dance, but I went for Mads Mikkelsen in the end. I saw Terence Stamp uh, last month going into um, a studio wearing a, a cap, carrying a plastic bag. He did not look like Zod. That's what's so evil about him. Yeah. I'm going to go for Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah, fair play. Okay, companion. Companion. The person who, through whose eyes the audience has to witness the majesty of the universe across all of time. Marek, who have you gone for? I have gone. As it's the movies, isn't it? Yes. Mm -hmm. Audrey Tattoo. Ooh. Ooh. She basically plays that role in uh, The Da Vinci Code. Maybe a bit, yeah. She's a bit that, that quirky sort of look, but she's not too... I think they can be a bit too subservient, I think, sometimes. They in, have to in be previous... a little bit feisty without being higher status than him, and they can't be too whiny sure. or scared all I the think time. she'd bring something interesting to it. Like, you know, sort of Amelie, sort of, she'd be fascinated by the weirdness yeah. rather than scared and... 
She does play girly, but maybe a different sort of girly and then that sort of feisty sort yeah. of... Uh, she might flirt yeah. with the weirdness rather than run away from it. Yes, that'd be interesting to see. <laughs> Wouldn't well, it? My companion, I thought, right, this is a, this is going to be aimed largely at kids, this movie. Not a kids' film, but children want to be able to come and see it. So a really strong female role model for kids. Um, I don't know what the actress's name is. That That's going to... That might, but that might, yeah. might be hard to find her then. But right. uh, <laughs> who she plays in a telly program? Oh, this is against. So not only did you not even is, you're saying that person off the telly is Arya Stark. Arya Stark. I'm gonna have to look up her Which name. Which one's Arya Stark? The young, the young girl from Game of Thrones. She is brilliant. I love her. The one with the short bobbed hair. Yeah. Maisie Williams is yes, her name. I think. That is two violations there. You surely it's an all right one, but surely you can't. You have to know the name. Uh, well, that's one I could thing. Have looked up her name before we started. If, I know if we're time. going, if we're at least meeting Merrick, if not halfway, then at least an eighth of the way towards his TV rule. Yeah, has she been in any films? Well, that's what we need to know. And the answer is no. She has been in a short film in 2013, and she was in a short film. She has been in no films. It's almost as if the criteria is, oh, has she ever rented a video? She walked past a, she's walked past a film Hang poster. On, we can only cast people who've no, been I, in movies. I think we can cast actors. But yeah. I'm going to go, okay, between Maisie Williams and Audrey Tattoo. You know you want to cast Maisie Williams. I know you want to, but I, know I think I the do, rules have been, I think there's too many violations. I haven't violated there. nothing. To be honest... I don't really want Maisie Williams as the companion. I want Arya Stark as the companion. But I'm going to go with Audrey Tattoo. Yeah. I'm going to go with Audrey Tattoo. I haven't violated nothing, No, guys. you haven't. I don't think you have. Okay, it's all down to the doctors. They've got to be on Spotlight. It's all down to the doctors. <laughs> if you don't know what Spotlight is, I feel like I'm explaining. It's the casting thing in Britain. They have it in America as well. They have yeah. the, an equivalent. Spotlight, if you're an actor, you've got to pay to be on in in Spotlight, which is a bit, and they've got these big books of all the actors. It's, it's, it's like an IMDb that only the industry is allowed to use. No one really actually uses no, it. In America, they use IMDb. Um, Do they? Yeah. That's why everyone's got their photos on IMDb. Exactly. So, Doctor Who. Is no, it you? it's you first. Me. Someone not too attractive because we don't want all the stupid girls to fancy him and hang around. Humphrey Kerbin. He can't be fat, so no. I want someone. Not ask Tom Tuck out. I wanted someone, someone with authority, but can play Wonder as well. I've gone for Damien Lewis. Ooh. Interesting. What what outfit would you give him? What sort of whimsical British outfit would you give him? Boy in a suit with a bowler hat. Interesting. I think a bit be... creepy, but interesting. <laughs> Purple felt to go with his red hair. Um, I'd I'd give him the peacock cape that Sean Connery wears in Highlander. Interesting. Okay, Damien Lewis in a peacock cape. And what are you going for, Marek? I'm going for a fully naked. <laughs> yep. I mean. Him, this is him in his prime rather than... Uh, I'm glad it, I didn't pick Maisie Williams now. <laughs> it's him in his prime rather than actually now. Okay. Gene Wilder. An American. He would have been a good doctor in he, his prime. Absolutely, but he's an American. He's a bit like Willy Wonka, isn't it, I suppose? Yeah. yeah. That's what I'm, That was my inspiration. I mean, he's a very good choice, but it's whether people would want to give an, a very, very British part to an American actor. No, they wouldn't, Marek. 
I I would. Who would you rather see? I, I would rather see this. Gene Wilder. Three are brilliant. No, I would rather see Gene Wilder than Damien Lewis. Damien Lewis would be okay. So would I. It's Gene Wilder. It's Gene Wilder. I, of course I, you would. He's a, he's a fantastic choice for Doctor yeah. Who. I hadn't even considered him. Gene Wilder. Gene Wilder. Well, there you go. <sighs> Maisie Williams would have been a better companion. I can't hear because all I can hear is the crowd cheering <laughs> for my victory over your voice. This little whining in the back. Hang on, hang on. You said completely naked, didn't you? Okay, but he's covered in bubbles. Oh, this is too whimsical. No, his suit is bubbles. This is, oh, it's like Josie Long wrote it. It's getting a bit mean. Anything, then. Uh, so. So you're telling me I have to Photoshop Gene Wilder completely naked, covered in bubbles? No, you can just use his face. Okay. Uh, I wish I'd gone for Jeff Goldblum. He would have been a good doctor. That would have been good. Would have been good. Well, so many regrets. If you have better choices than Gene Wilder covered in bubble bath, then uh, why not email us, uh, dearfilmfandango at gmail dot com, or go to our Facebook page, or Twitter, Twitter at, at filmfandango. Fandango. Thanks for your help, Merrick. Or or uh, come and see us live and tell us in person on Ow. June the 17th we will be doing the first ever Film Fandango live at the Forge and Foundry in Camden when? Um, June the 17th 8 o'clock <laughs> why? <laughs> that is yet to be ascertained I really like Robocop that's why yes we will show films that we've made ourselves so and then we will show Robocop party that you have to pay to come to are we just going to do that film Robocop and probably get some of if we bring the voice recorder, get some reviews from the member. Of, uh, you can hear the actual voices yeah, of some of our. Yeah, you can be on the podcast. Yeah, that would be the... fun. No, but we're not only doing that. We're making our own short films as well. We're not going to review those, are we? No, absolutely I'm not. I done give it. it no, David's. Um, I've, I've written the shooting script. It is now. <laughs> we're in pre-production at the moment. Yeah. I mean, we're just trying to find a first AD. It's eleven days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's gonna, it's gonna be great. If it is, a, if it is Buddy on your phone running up and down, <laughs> I'm gonna be furious. With the entertainer put over the we've top. We've got different films. Yeah, I am trying to teach myself motion to do graphics on mine. Oh, I'm doing graphics on mine, but I've been able to do graphics since I was 14. I like graphics, man. It's easy. It's a good insult, isn't it? Yeah. Graphics, man. Do you know how to use motion? The program? No, I use MS Paint. Okay. <laughs> I use Clip. Clip art. <laughs> animated clip art. No, not even animated. Just clip art. I don't even know what these programs are. I'm like an old man. Um, okay. If well, you like comment, why not come <laughs> and buy tickets to Film Fandango Live, June the 17th. Tickets £8.50. That includes the booking fee. You can buy them online. I don't know if... I think it's cash on the door as well. Someone asked. Yeah. you got this cash only on the door. But there's cash points nearby, mm-hmm. so what you just do is you go. Go to one. There's literally one opposite. And but go road. to it first, and then okay. second, come to the venue. If you go to the Halifax around the corner, yep. or any other. Bank. Or the RBS. There's an RBS on the corner. If you get twenty pounds, like you buy a ticket, and you've got eleven pound fifty change. But <laughs> be really grateful if you bought them beforehand, so we, we, we knew they're going to be. Gonna so we weren't nervous about it. Um, so we were recommended a film to watch um, last week, and the, that film was The Natural, which I hadn't seen before. Have you seen it I've before? I've never heard of it. Not only had I, I not seen it, 
fine. This fine. It completely passed me by. Completely too. passed me by. It is a nineteen eighty three. Four. Nineteen eighty four. Nineteen eighty four. No, I've no system of remembering that year. Um, film about a uh, baseball player played by Robert Redford who come mysteriously. Uh, becomes the most incredible baseball player who ever lived, sort of in his 40s. Um, well, he's 35. Is he 35? Um, he just looks in his 40s for the whole film. Yeah. That's what, yeah. And it that is about it. He's meant to be 19 at the beginning. It's incredible. Um, let's... Okay. I mean, is, have we said enough about the plot? That is pretty much it. Yeah. It's um, based... So the, the plot is... That, it's based looked, on a book, isn't it? Yeah, so it was a really big... So in, in the, for our... American listeners, you probably have heard of The Natural, a book published in 1952, which is based on the real-life story. Uh, so I think we can say it's not being really too much spoiled. It sort of is, and it isn't. I yeah. mean, I've read about the yes, book as well. Lo- very loosely based on a of a, a baseball player who got shot by some sort of stalker. Yes, and then came back. So we could say the story. Yeah, is- the beginning. The beginning is him uh, going to try out as a young man, young man, um, for a big team, and he happens to stop off at a carnival where the greatest. Um, a hitter in the game called the Whammer uh, is there, and he gets challenged to try and uh, strike him out, and he manages it. So it look he's just beaten the greatest baseball player alive, and he's on his way to try out for uh, the big leagues, the uh, major, the majors. The majors when um, uh, a crazy lady uh, sort of seduces him and shoots him, um, and then it cuts to sixteen years later. Great beginning. To mm. a film, like mm. amazing, it was a properly WTF. Yes, and then it's what happens then, and you don't. It's not really like the book. It's not really about what happened, what he's been up to in those sixteen years. It's just out of the wilderness he comes, and here he is. Um, it also has Robert Duvall in it as a journalist who draws cartoons, um, and uh, Glenn, Close. Glenn Close as his childhood sweetheart. Kim Basinger. Kim Basinger is a kind of siren uh, figure. Um, and Robert Redford. Oh, yeah. Robert, yeah Redford. Robert Redford in the title role. He's the lead. He's a natural... Hobbs. Um, I, I found this film odd. Really, really weird. Tonally odd, storily-wise odd. Because it starts out, it's a bit like... It feels... It's quite exciting. And it changes into archetypal sports movie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it it, it is that? so ludicrous, the things that happen. I mean, having read about it, I feel I understand it more than I did at the time watching it. Mm. But for starters, the things that happen are preposterous and the script is like it's written by a child. Like, people just say what characters need to say at this point to get to the next bit. Like, it's mm. really, really basic stuff. It's like a fairy story. It's like a kids' movie, really. It's really popular in the states. In yeah, this film. hugely popular. But oh, but about when I read about it, I can start to understand why because it is um, a myth. It's a fairy tale, and it evokes all of the old fairy tales. There's lots of analysis of it that says it's 
specifically about the tale of uh, Sir Percival from Arthurian legend when he meets the Fisher King because the uh, the washed up coach of a team that's failing is called his surname is Fisher in this but it also evokes Arthurian legend with the, the splitting of Excalibur because of his fatal flaw and um, being uh, and also, um, also the Odyssey yeah, because the Odyssey. she the woman who shoots him at the beginning talks to him about asks him whether he's read the Odyssey at the beginning making a overt reference oh, to it and then he's on his journey back to baseball being his home and the the woman he loves and he gets seduced along the way um, which is all uh, the Odyssey but that's all thrown in sort of thematically texturally but all of the things that happen to him are urban myths from the 50s and before about American baseball. So all of the great stories about this guy did this and he came back for one last game and he did this and they give that to Robert Redford. And this guy once once uh, smashed the clock uh, mm. because he bet a guy he could. They've given that to Robert Redford. And they've taken all of the myths and legends, the fairy tale elements of a history of a country playing baseball and given them to one hero. That's what baseball... It's almost like a history... Like a, 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 an homage to baseball, really. Yes. And baseball... A baseball film seems to have this thing. It's a bit like the equivalent of cricket, where the sport itself is it's more... It's this tradition and the whole feeling behind... Yes. The sort of... But the stands and, you know, what, watching it in the A. It really has been going on for ages. And the cricket's got that over here. We've got, you know, all the statistics and yeah, the slowness yeah. of the game... And it's like an event, not necessarily a sport, but the act of going to it is part of it. But not knowing these stories going into it, mm. I found it really weird as a film because it's actually got real heavyweight actors. They haven't chosen kind of fluffy kids' movie people. These no. are guys who could really Im- imbue a character with some deep inner pain or you know something interesting about them. And the film has no pain whatsoever. <laughs> I, I was really surprised to see Glenn Close... Playing that role, yeah. Playing a sort of because you expect her, she's so, so great, yeah. You expect to have some relation to her, but she's like pretty much she sort is, of sugar sweet role, yeah. isn't she? She's just playing, um, a, like, like if this film was made now, she would be played by Catherine Heigl, not no, 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 not even that. She'd be played no. by some beautiful, dumb actress with that doesn't need to do anything, like, there's no, there's no depth to her character, yeah. really. So it just needs to be played by someone absolutely gorgeous. Well, interestingly, mm. the book has uh, darkness in it because the the ending they changed because his fatal flaw ends up consuming him. And like in many of the Greek tales, like in actual mythology, mm. um, uh. It, you know, he ends up the the thing that is his weakest point ends up just escalating and getting big. Where in in this, they've changed that, and it's just triumph. It's just one man's triumph. He has no flaws. That, that's what I found the most interesting in this. He's just like this character never does anything wrong, not really, ever. But it's like a family. Is it a family movie? I don't know what it is. I don't, that's the thing, I don't get totally what it is. I found it really hard to get a handle on because it starts with Robert Redford's dad dying underneath this oak tree and then this tree being hit by lightning and him using the tree to make his baseball bat wonder boy and then there's this idea that this bat... The beginning's like the beginning of Short Circuit. It yeah, feels like think, it's that kind of a movie. You think it's going to be some sort of like like either the bat's magic or his dad lives in the bat or something. You know, you expect there to be some sort of... That would mean a good thing. film. Dad bat. Dad bat. <laughs> Every time Batman. you hit the ball... Batman, call it. Yeah? Yeah, and, but you, 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 it hurts your dad. But it's your career. But it's the best bat ever. See, I th- but I thought there was going to be some significance to the dad and the tree and the bat, but 
But there isn't really. It's only only thematically in that it's Excalibur. It's a magic sword. That, uh, but this is the thing where I don't think the writers have understood the book because I haven't read the book. But what I've read about the book is it is just uh, retelling legends in the American baseball setting of the 1950s. Um, So his Excalibur in the Arthurian legends does get broken by uh, Arthur's own hubris and... and Oh, you snapped my bat, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and that's what happens to his version of Excalibur, the magical bat. Um, But it's not because of any weakness and it has no consequence. Um, So they haven't really understood what these stories are about. Um, It's very odd. I Not re- unenjoyable at all. I love watching Robert Redford. I think he's brilliant. I've got to say, um, you I feel you forget how I watched all the presidents many of the week as well. Yeah, Robert Redford's brilliant. He's so watchable. so watchable because he's so good looking. You know, he's got that. He sort of gets put in that good looking bracket. Sort of a bit how Brad Pitt did in his early days. Yeah. You think Robert Redford? He's. He, I could watch him for hours. He's brilliant. Yeah, he absolutely. Brilliant. But I, I think a lot of this movie is that that he he could be in any other movie like you're I just felt, watching yeah, a man I, I really enjoyed who it. has no character traits really no I, I i i accept all those things and all the flaws for it and i just thought i'm i enjoyed this sports film and it was a bit like reading a a page turner book where it was easy i don't feel challenged but it was interesting in places yeah. it's got good actors Glenn Close, I didn't think they used her enough. No, wasted. Even Kim Basinger didn't use her enough, but she seemed sort of. It was her quite early on in her career. Yeah. She was not as accomplished as she was in LA Confidential. I. But I really enjoyed it. I didn't really enjoy it. I didn't hate it. I didn't really enjoy it. And I think the two reasons were: if it's if it's an odyssey of a character, if, if it's that story, if it's this one guy coming home I didn't while Robert Redford is watchable I didn't actually find the character he was playing particularly interesting because he has no flaws they've taken out the interesting they've taken out all the interesting stuff um, and so there's no conflict there Um, and from a sports movie point of view I actually really enjoy a bog standard sports movie that really sticks to the rules it's like a roller coaster it does everything Major League's a good one of my favourite baseball films but I don't think this does that. I don't think it plays out like a, a typical sports movie. There's, so you don't have the highs and the lows that you would have. There are things so preposterous in this, you would think it was an Austin Powers movie. Like the evil men in the room with no lights, um, looking out of the blinds, plotting that if this if they lose this match, then they'll own the they'll own the team. Like it's that heightened and preposterous. That that fairy tale. I I'm a big fan of uh, Trey Parker, Matt Stone, and the um, uh, the Zucker brothers film Basketball, and I hadn't realised how much of the natural is in basket uh, in Basketball until I watched this. Like there are the entire, pretty much the entire plot and whole sequences and characters, and in Basketball it makes more sense. It fits perfectly tonally because it's a ridiculous um, Zucker film. In this, it's see, it's so odd that they're playing it like it's real and then these preposterous things are happening but it doesn't even have that ma- like you know when preposterous stuff happens you know that sort of feel with Magnolia where you just accept that odd things are happening it doesn't even I found it I found it really hard to get to grips with totally what this film was I really enjoyed it but I still just having watched it I don't know what to do with it do you know what I mean after you've just like I don't know I haven't really taken anything from it I think judging the response of it I think there's a I mean, if you're American people listening to us talk baseball, you probably sound 
we probably sound really naive and we don't know anything about about. Well, celebrity. I think it's a love story but, to uh, baseball. I think yeah, that's all it I is. I think it's a sort of fam. I think it's a family sort of Sunday afternoon sort of mild peril film. Everyone can watch. It's easy. That appeals to that. That you're explaining a guy's evil because he's in a dark room. He's looking for the blinds to. You know, six-year-old cinema can understand that. Played, it's not the actors don't play it like that's what the that's film what's, yeah, that's what that's what I find so interesting. It's the, different from the film that's that being watching. made. Yeah, like the the actors are all of them. None of them would look out of place in something like a Scorsese film from mm. you know the seventies. Which is the film? This is how they made all their careers. <laughs> the Natural. Yeah, yeah. yeah Robert Redford was a no one before this film. Yeah. 1984, everyone forgets that. That's when he first hit there's the a, scene. There's a couple of good cameos. The coaches, there's one of my favourite actors in this who died. He was a stuntman. I think I'm right. This assistant coach is a guy with a moustache mm-hmm. who's in... Yes, he's great. He's in Misery as well later on as a police officer. And he is in a film where, I can't remember the name of the film, but he drives a lawnmower across America, which is an amazing film. It's not Lawnmower Man. <laughs> <laughs> but he's a brilliant actor... And he's in this, and he was a stuntman for years and years and years, and got into acting. So I was really pleased to see him in it. Um, how many? I thought it was. Sorry, I've just looked him up because I remembered as well that when the credits came up at the beginning, the uh, D- the director of photography on this was Caleb Deschanel, and I thought Deschanel, that's an odd name. Zoe Deschanel's dad. It is. It is Zoe Deschanel's that's dad. That's what you said. I thought you were joking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, did was the director of photography. So there you go. Um, well, no you don't know what to do with that information, <laughs> You're looking I'm just stunned. gobsmacked. I'm gobsmacked. It turns out that a uh, successful actress has a father in the business. I knew it was a Deschanel. <laughs> you could tell, couldn't you? Yeah. I thought she'd been created by magic under a lovely bush one day. She was created, she was created when the out Wonder, of some lovely bush. When the Wonder Bats. <laughs> Wonder Bats smashed. Yeah. In the lovely bush. In the lovely bush. I'd go and see a film called The Lovely Bush. I'd go and see uh, Dad Bat. <laughs> Dad Bat. Batman. Colon. Dad Bat. How many Marricks? Six. You, you see, I thought you would have given it more than that. No, I didn't think it was. I think it was flawed. It was, but I it still was enjoyed just, it. It, it was wasn't nice challenging. To see the Whammer in it, who was that terrible American character who appears in quite a few Roger Moore Bond films. Oh, was he? Yeah. yeah. Oh no, he isn't him. I'm no. completely wrong. I've I've just checked my memories and it's not him. <laughs> I would give it six as well, and I didn't enjoy it anywhere near as you. Six, yeah. I'd give it six as well. Three, six, six. Six, six, six. The devil's film. The natural. Sorry, he's the American in the Brosnan Bond films. Oh, Golden Eye and Tomorrow Never Dies and everything. I've not seen any. Like Felix, you mean? No, well, he's the Felix Leiter equivalent who's just like an American boob in a Hawaiian shirt who's got a tiny car uh, living in Russia. No. What? Sounded like you said to me else. What did it it sound like? (laughs) He said a tiny car. Tiny car. But it sounded like you said to me else. What sounds like tiny car? I can't say because nine year old kids listen to the show. Eleven. We don't know how old he is. he could he could have just misjudged what the youngest listener is by a long way. He, he could, could be, be like forty three, twenty or something. Um, thanks for listening. Bye. No, you don't get to do that. Not so abruptly. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye. That's it. Bye. What? No. I think the dog's dead.
Oh, he's Mac alive. Right, we'll be back next week with more movies. We will have watched Primer. Primer. Primer, so if you want to watch that, or if you want to comment on anything we've talked about, dearfilmfandango at gmail.com. We will be back next week. Keep watching the films. Bye. Bye, bye. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.